This podcast was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the television and movies being covered here would not exist. We stand with the writers and actors and support their call for equitable and fair treatment for everyone in the industry. You can support those on strike by making a donation at entertainmentcommunityfund.org, which will go to a writer, actor, or other entertainment worker in need. You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ha! Got him! That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. What's up, Star Wars fans? And welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, updates, episode reviews on all the new and exciting stuff going on in the Star Wars universe. Of course, today we are here to talk about uh, one of the most cool and exciting things that we've seen in Star Wars in a long, long time, and that is episode four of the Ahsoka series. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim. How's it going, Tim? It's going great, especially after this last episode we just got. And the series has proven true. It's just getting better and better <laughs> with each episode. And as we are saying, after seeing the premiere of the first two, just how great that was, but yet the best is yet to come. And episode four is proving that already, which... And I think it's only going to probably maintain that for about a week because even as great as this episode was, I think the best is still yet to come from that. So, yeah, but really excited to talk about this one because this one was just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, As you can see, Paul is not here with us right now. I think he's going to try to jump in at some point, at least for a little bit. I don't know how long he'll get to stick around and how much of the conversation he's going to be here for. But I, we were talking with him before it started. And uh, as me and Paul do, we already got into like a, a tense, not really tense. I mean, it was friendly, but, you know, we were debating different ideas that we have about ways that we think the show is going to go. Um, and we we're talking for like half an hour before we started recording. And I was like, I'm bummed that I didn't just start recording as soon as we jumped on because I didn't know we were going to end up having that conversation. And I think it would have just been good for the podcast. But uh, <laughs> then Paul had to leave real quick. And so we're starting the podcast now and he'll maybe be back at some um but yeah man what an episode um obviously there's a big reveal to talk about at the end but there's lots of cool stuff to talk about leading up to that so let's just jump right into it as always you know if you haven't seen the episode yet spoiler alert but what are you doing listening to us yammer on about this for what's probably going to be three hours (laughs) uh if you haven't actually seen the episode yet but yeah man so like uh, you know, coming off the heels of the last episode, which I haven't gotten to to listen to you and Paul's review of it yet. 
Um, but like, you know, I was off on vacation in Jamaica for my cousin's wedding and we had a great time there. Um, and like, I enjoyed the last episode, but I was like, if I have to miss a week on the podcast, like I'm okay with missing this one. Cause you know, it was just, it was a fun episode. I enjoyed it, but there wasn't really any like mind blowing stuff or anything that I was like really itching to talk about. Um, and it was like, not a filler episode, but one of those episodes that kind of takes place as the heroes are journeying from point A to point B. And like, once they get to where they're going, you know, that's when the big stuff is going to go down. And that was this episode. And boy, did some big stuff go down. So, you know, we start with them on the, the surface of CTOS, uh, trying to fix the ship after the damage they sustained. And, you know, the, the dog fighting and stuff in the last episode. Um, Hu Yang goes out to try to fix the ship from the outside and immediately gets attacked by assassin droids. Um, and this was, you know, sort of the first cool action scene of the of the episode where Ahsoka and Sabine come out and they're fighting off the assassin droids and the, you know, Morgan Elsbeth's like guard guys or whatever. Um, you know, Ahsoka's got her lightsabers. We see Sabine using her blasters and her Mando tricks and stuff. But also, just seeing uh, Hu Yang fighting the assassin droid first, I was like, oh, yes. man, Hu, <laughs> Hu Yang came ready to throw down. Right. Um, that was like the first time of like, this is going to be a really great fun episode. Just seeing Hu yeah. Yang in a battle, like kicking off what's going to be an episode entirely of great action and great battles. Yeah, it was, you know, it was like a rock'em, sock'em robot kind yeah. of thing. But, like, Hu Yang was holding his own, and he was throwing some haymakers. Um, I was kind of wondering if he had a lightsaber hidden away somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess maybe he's only got, like, those holographic training ones. How cool would that be to see him using a lightsaber, though? Right, I know. <laughs> um, you know, if, if any other droid besides General Grievous is worthy to wield one, it would be Hu Yang. Um, but yeah, it was cool to, to see him holding his own in a, a fist fight like that and then have Ahsoka and Sabine come out and, you know, rescue him and fight everybody off. And it was just, they, I, they released a preview of that earlier in the day too. Um, just like a one minute clip of them kind of fighting off. And it was like, okay, we, you can tell this is going to be an action packed episode. Like, cause it was a, a pretty cool action scene just that they released in that clip. And it's like, if this is what they're willing to show us as a preview, um, I can't wait to see what else is in store for this one. So. Um, yeah, that was just a, a fun way to kick it off. And then, you know, I love at the end of that scene, too, when uh, it's kind of this nice moment where um, Ahsoka and Sabine go off into the forest to try to find, like, the enemy base. And Hu Yang tells them, you know, stick together. I, I always thought you guys worked better that way. And they run off into the forest on CTOS, which is just, I mean, gorgeous. This is another one of those episodes that, you know, cinematically just looked so good. The music was fantastic. The visuals were were fantastic. It was just firing on all cylinders once again felt like a star wars movie i just loved it yeah this is a great way to kick off the episode like you said just some great action first kicking off with Hugh Wayne, but then sabine and ahsoka getting in on the action and just seeing sabine in her full mandalorian armor with the helmet on look great in live action i know we got a few hints of it here and there in the trailers but to kind of see it fully in action it just looked awesome again seeing a mandalorian and a jedi in action together it's just always a sight to behold i don't think that will ever get old so yeah, just great. But then also too, coming off of kind of what me and Paul were talking about about uh, episode three, "Time to Fly," was just how the relationship between Sabine and Ahsoka was was going was getting better, and just them coming coming back to that master and Padawan uh, relationship that they left behind, but now being obviously brought together again and wanting to try it out and to work at it, they just had to find like to. In episode three to kind of find some common ground where it's like yeah this looks like this is going to work like this relationship of a master and apprentice it's it's going good for right now but then we start seeing a little bit of 
you know, doubt in Ahsoka as far as when she tells Sabine her plan of what has to be done as far as keeping Thrawn from coming back, having to make that tough choice of destroying the map if need be and just kind of losing Ezra forever and then just kind of making sure Sabine's okay with that and where she asks her, I mean, can I count on you? And Sabina says, of course you can. And just right away, just feeling like that tense, that tension where it's like, you know, Sabine's saying that, but yet she's having second thoughts or we're not sure if she's really going to commit to that. So it was kind of something where I'm glad we got in that third episode, them really kind of bonding and connecting again um, as Master and Apprentice and just even as, as friends too um, and working together. And now you're kind of seeing that that might've just been short lived for a little bit, but I'm glad we got that um, good stuff with them um, to make it where in this episode where you kind of see things fall apart again in that relationship. So how I'm kind of bummed that makes you feel that it didn't work out the way that you're hoping to, especially after that third episode, but just, just great stuff to kind of kick this episode off from an action standpoint. And then just for more of uh, what we can expect from Sabine and Ahsoka as characters and just where their story is going to move forward in this series. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, uh, I hadn't even really thought about that, but like, um, you know, they introduced kind of the, just that moral dilemma of like what happens if we're not able to, because I mean, the whole idea is to for them to get the map back and then make the journey themselves to try to go rescue Ezra. Um, yeah, because Ahsoka's like, I mean, they say this kind of in the first few episodes where like Ahsoka's main focus is to stop Thrawn. That's what she's yeah. mainly concerned about where Sabine's, her main focus is to find Ezra and to bring him back. And we kind of see that those two viewpoints come to a head in this one. Yeah, but I mean, the the whole point, um, you know, for them, at least at the beginning of this episode is like to go after the bad guys and get the map back. But Ahsoka says, like, if we're not able to retrieve it, worse comes to worse, like it's better to destroy it and uh, keep it out of their hands, even if it means leaving Ezra stranded, like, you know, we can't let them bring Thrawn back. So, um, yeah, and obviously since it sets up a, an interesting moral dilemma for, you know, that comes back full circle at the end of the episode. Um, yeah, you know, what? I was going to say something about kind of Ahsoka's viewpoint on this right now, just kind of how different that is from what we've seen for her in the past in Clone Wars and Rebels, but I'll, I'll circle back to that because I think it has might actually be connected to the very end. Oh, okay. Um, oh, you're right. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then in the meantime, you know, you have uh, Morgan and Balin and Chin and everybody kind of amassing their forces and, uh, you know, ordering them to go out into the jungle. Um, and there's a, a cool line where... Um, I forget exactly how it goes, but, you know, Balin's kind of giving orders and he's talking about Ahsoka and uh, she, uh, Morgan says, like, is that fear I detect in your voice? And he says, no, like, it's experience. Um, like, he knows that she's, you know, no, no one to be trifled with. And he probably even knows, like, hey, Ahsoka's coming after us or we're going after them. Like, I could die. Um, you know, like, if if it's me and her, like, only one of us is coming out of this. So... Um, yeah, like when, you know, Morgan is like, oh, are you scared, Balin? He's like, no, I'm not scared. I just like know what to expect. And I like that he has this sort of level of respect for the Jedi. Um, and we still don't know exactly sort of what his status is as far as like if he still considers himself to be a Jedi in some respect or, you know, exactly sort of where he stands. I mean, obviously, he like he's not a Sith Lord, but we know he's not a good guy. But he clearly still has like a level of reverence. Um and and just sort of honor and respect for the Jedi and clearly knows what they can do, having been one himself um, and seen them all in action during the Clone Wars and stuff like that. So, um, 
Yeah, I like because, you know, normally I feel like Star Wars villains could tend to be kind of like overconfident and cocky um, or just trying to like, you know, be manipulative or whatever. But, you know, Balin is like, um, you know, just has a lot of respect for his enemies and he's very realistic and not afraid to, uh, you know, to give them kind of their give them their due honor, if you will. Yeah. And then also too, just, I think knowing too, that she is Anakin's Padawan <laughs> out of time, yeah. just knowing what a formidable foe she's going to be being trained by Anakin and knowing kind of their history too. So I think that adds another layer to it as well, as far as kind of why he is a little hesitant to, or always a concern anyway, that she's gotten as close as she has uh, to catch yeah. him. And even like as fellow survivors of order 66, like he knows she's not just powerful as a Jedi, but I'm sure he probably went through a whole ordeal himself that, you know, not many Jedi could survive. And so the fact that Ahsoka also survived, I'm sure he's like, okay, that, you know, I'm one of the best of the best. And so is she. So, um, yeah, just cool to see him, you know, acknowledging that and not just be like, Oh, let the Jedi come. I'm going to destroy yeah. them. But <laughs> like, you know, he's like, he's taking this seriously because he knows how formidable she is, even though he also is, definitely formidable in his own right yeah without question as we see later on so absolutely um and then meanwhile you know back at uh republic hq um you know on on home one um after the last episode where Hera kind of got blocked by mon mothma and the new republic leadership when she was requesting uh you know authorization to send support now she's like well you know what screw it i'm gonna go anyways um <laughs> And it was just so cool seeing like her and Jason and the ghost and yeah. uh, the squadron of X-Wings taken off with them and Carson Tiva's there and some other new X-Wing pilots. Um, but man, I loved it. It just had, you know, that classic Star Wars, like Return of the Jedi type feel. Again, you know, seeing a squadron of ships take off from home one, um, having Carson, you know, calling her Phoenix leader. And it's kind of like, oh, this is her new Phoenix squadron now. Um, and I loved even like her little banter with Jason in the cockpit too, where he's like, uh, you know, she's like, Mom, why do you get to disobey orders and I have to listen? She's like, Well, when you're a general, you can do whatever you want and you can disobey orders, but until then, buckle up. Um, it was just so, you know, it's uh, I feel like it was so in character for her, and you know, it's fun to get to see her be a mom to her kid now. And I'm really enjoying, I mean, you know, just with the limited screen time we've seen so far, I'm really enjoying what they're doing with Jason Sandula so far. Um, and the young actor that they got to play him, I think his name's Evan Witten. Um, I think so far he's been really good. So um, that's been kind of like an unexpected, uh, like a, a, a pleasant surprise um, element of the show. Because, I mean, I feel like we knew they were going to address that at some point. But, like, I didn't know how much of a role Jason was going to play in the show. And I wasn't, like, I wasn't not looking forward to it. But it definitely wasn't one of the things that was, like, super high on my list. Like, I was just excited to see Hera in action again alongside Ahsoka and Sabine. And then it's like, oh, yeah. And she also has this, like, weird green-haired child now. Like, I guess we're going to see him, too. But um, they've managed to make him fit in nicely. Um, and I think, you know, he's a, a really fun addition to the cast. Although you certainly can raise some questions about, like, as much as it's fun seeing him get to go with, with his mom on missions, there's something to be said for, you know, maybe not bringing your 10-year-old son with you along on a dangerous combat mission. But... <laughs> um it's hard to find guess, a babysitter in the galaxy yeah i guess all's well that ends well at least for now like you know we'll see how it all plays out but um yeah that was uh definitely a fun touch as well yeah the, that was like one of the smaller surprises of this episode but it was still really cool i mean just seeing 
the interior of the ghost in live action was just great. It's like making you think, oh, where's Zev and Ezra, Sabine, and Kanan, <laughs> like amongst the cockpit of the ghost. But just it was just cool to kind of get that nostalgia feeling for the Rebels crew there. But I was a cool surprise too, was see, like you mentioned all the X Wings, because at first, when the ghost was t- coming off of home one and then the X Wings follow, I thought they were going to try to stop her, like, like Hey, yeah, you see, ghost? Like, you yeah. don't have clearance, but yeah, when just, she's gonna have to outrun them. Yeah, but when they all just kind of quickly saying we're going with her, like, oh, this is cool. We might see some ghost and X-wing action later on in this episode, or maybe later on in the series. But it's just cool that knowing that that was another thing to look forward to later on down the line with just some space action with the ghost followed by a small squadron of X-wing. But that was really cool. Yeah, definitely, that was fun. Um, and then we get back to the planet. And, uh, you know, Ahsoka and Sabine are, like, running through the forest, um, and they run into uh, Shin and Marok. Um, And we get, you know, kind of our first big face-off of the episode. I like how they're all just kind of staring each other down, and Sabine makes the first move and just starts shooting at Shin. Um, And, of course, she's deflecting all her blaster bolts, and so they run off, and they're doing their separate thing. So then you get Ahsoka fighting Marok. Marok, Marok, I'm going to have her... She's quite sure how to say his name. I feel like they pronounce it both ways in the show. I think Balin um, calls him Maroc, so that's how I like to say it. But see, I think he's, I thought he says Maroc first, but then he says Maroc. I guess Maroc kind of rolls off the tongue easier. I don't know. Um, uh, Han Han. What, what was the same thing yeah, about? yeah, exactly. Um, but man, I, both of these lightsaber duels were great. Like yeah. the choreography was awesome. The, you know, just the tension and the shots and the pacing of it. Um, and the visuals of like the lightsabers, you know, just kind of lighting up this forest at night. Um, it's funny because, you know, especially like I feel like in the second episode where Ahsoka has her first confrontation with Maroc during the day um, and people had some complaints about the way that the lightsabers looked and, you know, them not being as bright or kind of leaving like the big wide arc behind them like we're used to seeing. Um, but man, like all of these shots uh, and and all of this fighting in the forest, like it all just looked incredible. Lightsabers look so much better at night and in dark environments, anyways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just some really fun battles. Um, you know, you great see, if I was a Jedi, I can only do lightsaber battles at night. I can't do it in the daytime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It goes, it goes with how you like to watch your lightsaber exactly. battles as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel like the lightsaber duels in this episode were almost like a Dave Filoni's greatest hits collection because the Ahsoka versus Maroc duel was very reminiscent of like Obi-Wan versus Maul and Twin Sons, mm-hmm. um, where you oh, yeah. have, you know, one one person with a, a double-bladed Inquisitor lightsaber and that fight ends very quickly. Um, and then uh, uh, Sabine versus Shin was almost a little bit like uh, Maul versus Pre Vizsla, where you get a, a Force wielder versus a Mandalorian who's using all their bag of tricks and stuff. Um, and then the Ahsoka versus Balin fight was almost like Ahsoka versus Vader, where it's like she's the you know sort of the faster, more agile opponent up against someone who's just a powerhouse um doing all these big heavy swings and stuff and so it was like i like that all three of these duels had a very distinct feel but you could kind of tell you know dave's inspiration for all of them or you know little elements of it that we had seen before but done in like cool new ways um but yeah man the 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 ahsoka maroc fight uh was over way quicker than i expected um and i kind of thought it was fun that like you know after all the speculation over the last couple weeks of like oh is he star killer or is he is he Ezra or is he like, 
I mean, I've heard people think that he was somehow Jason who was like pulled from a different point in time through the world between worlds <laughs> or all one. kinds of all kinds of weird different theories. Um Ferris was the other big one I was always kept hearing and even thought I mean, maybe could have been a possibility. But. I still would love to see Ahsoka and Barris face off at some point and find out what happened to her. But like, to me, he was clearly a dude um, just based on his physique and like the tone of his voice that we heard in the last episode. So I, I wasn't expecting Barris at this point. Um, but yeah, the fact that she, you know, cuts him down really quickly before we ever find out who he is. And then he just bursts into smoke. Um, which I guess is the first Green thing smoke, that, though. yes, which I didn't catch at first because it's like dark green smoke. It's not sort of the typical like bright green night sister fire that we're used to seeing. So my first thought with, with the smoke sort of pouring out of him and then him just collapsing was I thought it was sort of reminiscent of the Inquisitor that, is, that Ahsoka kills in Tales of the Jedi, um, who ah, comes yeah. to that village that she's looking for and, and, uh, you know, she cuts him down real quick and then he kind of just like dissolves into smoke and we never find out who that guy is or, you know, it's just, I mean, it almost seems like, was he even real? Like the way that he kind of just dissolves and his mask falls, like we've never seen a dark side user do that before. And it clearly didn't seem like, oh, he just peacefully became one with the force. Um, and, you know, so I, I like I still have questions about that, but I was like, oh, here goes Maroc now doing the same thing. And maybe we'll never know you know, who he was, but maybe it was uh, I don't know. Maybe this is something new that Dave wants to do with like Inquisitors dying or something like that. Maybe it's like the dark side version of becoming one with the force as like your essence leaves you or whatever. I don't know. Um, but then, yes, of course, the, the second time I watched it, I noticed how green that smoke was and had started hearing some theories about it, maybe being like Night Sister magic or whatever. Um, and see, here's where I'm at, because I've, I've heard some people theorizing that, like, maybe he is the eighth brother from Rebels and Morgan, like, reanimated his body, or he could even be just like a, a reanimated corpse of a different Inquisitor or something like that. Um, or that he could even be just sort of like a puppet that was conjured by Morgan to begin with, that he's just like a suit of armor that's held together mm -hmm. by Night Sister magic. But the fact that he, A, spoke... And B, used the force in previous episodes, have me thinking like he had to be like a living physical being somehow. Um, at least that's kind of my, my guess or my assumption. But it did make me think back to uh, Savage in yep. Clone Wars, how he had been like enhanced by Mother Talzin and given these abilities and the strength and stuff. And then when he was killed, it wore off. And we saw like some green smoke dissipating from him too. So that's my leading theory right now is that um, Maroc was, I mean, it could be anything from maybe a, a surviving inquisitor who was like wounded and Morgan healed him to just a regular dude who Morgan decided to use as a pawn and enhanced to like give him force powers and stuff through her magic. Um, but I think whatever enchantment or enhancements or whatever she had cast on him was maybe that's what was wearing off as he died. And that smoke kind of like exploded from him. Um, I kind of hope that we find out more, but also like if that's the one thing that goes unexplained and just kind of leaves the fans to speculate about, like I'm okay with that too. I think it's kind of fun and it's like something that's not so integral to the plot that it creates a huge plot hole or something, because obviously we're going to be much more focused on, uh, ahsoka and thrawn and a certain chosen one and lots of other stuff you know coming up in the upcoming episodes so 
if the the backstory of Marat kind of gets left behind, like I'm okay with that. But I'm also very curious to know if we're ever going to get more of a concrete explanation of like, who was he? Where did he come from? And why is all this smoke pouring out of him as he dies? Yeah, so I'm just kind of going with right now with what you said that it's kind of a Savage Press scenario where someone just got enhanced with the magical powers from like Mother Talzin did with Maul and Savage, but maybe Morgan did it um, was whoever this character is. And because um, I do think it would kind of be neat or interesting, something different, like some of the ideas you were saying, like a reanimated corpse or something like that. But when you get into stuff like that, someone like that wouldn't be able to use the force or shouldn't be able to use the force as it resides in all living things. And that was the case. It wouldn't really be living. So, um, so I'm definitely just sticking more towards it being a Savage Press scenario, but I don't know. I'm kind of 50, 50 as far as if that's the last we've seen of Morocco or cause I'm pretty much in agreement with you where it's like, I'm good with this being it. I think it's just kind of a fun way. Like after all that speculation, it's just like, Nope, it's just a puff of smoke a green smoke is all that speculation was so and there's just so much stuff that's going to go down where like as you mentioned there's just no time to really focus on that but at the same time like if they want to dive into his character in a comic or a future story somewhere down the line like i'm all for that uh just to see if they want to explore him or not or if he's even worth exploring but um i jumped in at the perfect time oh perfect right (laughs) i I jumped in exactly because this what you guys are talking about is something that I, well, by the way, hi everyone, I'm back for a few minutes today. I, I have a few <laughs> minutes to spare and I wanted to, I couldn't, I could not just, you know, I couldn't just let the, the argument between me and Kyle remain before the only time I show up that no one ever gets to hear. So, uh, that has to anyway, be one for the episode, actual episode. <laughs> dude, Kyle, were you recording anything of that? No, I wish I had. I thought about recording just in the middle of it, but I was like, well, it wouldn't make sense without the context of like how the conversation started. So no, no I just started about, recording when, when Tim and I started. No <laughs> yeah, Star Wars fans don't care about that. <laughs> and then, yeah, they really don't with that. No, I, I, I had to jump in, I had to jump in and you know, because this week I, I have a well and I just I just, I couldn't come, you know, even though you guys moved the recording date, I couldn't make it all the way through for tonight. But uh but anyway, I definitely wanted to come in and just talk a little bit with you guys and hang out because I it just after this episode, I just could not just sit back and not talk with you guys about it because it was, you know, I, I said it on social media and Twitter that this is to me these forty minutes and I won't I'm go crazy here, but I think these forty minutes show you just how good of a storyteller Dave Filoni is with Star Wars, and he's able to cram so much into the world this this episode. And have it not be a jumbled mess, you know. And I, I joked that it takes Dave Filoni minutes, what it takes hours for J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson to accomplish, you know. It's just it's crazy. I, I'm just being real with you. I mean, but but I think anyone, any hardcore Star Wars fan will be able to tell you that Dave Filoni should have been, you know, full, you know, helming anything, you know. And I think Ahsoka is, is further proof of that. I'm. It's re- completely rejuvenated by like me. I love Star Wars. I mean, I I went into Ahsoka thinking that it was going to be good, solid Star Wars stuff. You know, to like much like Mandalorian season three, which I really liked. I love that series or season. I think season two is one of the greatest of all time. I still think that, but I didn't think that Ahsoka was going to be on the level that it is. I, I would never ever have predicted that, to be quite honest. And I've just been so pleasantly surprised at 
everything we've gotten. And this last episode just really further proves that Ahsoka could, it might be turning into something special, you know? And I just, yeah, it, it, it just, besides the big reveals, right? Besides that stuff, which is incredible, mm-hmm. which one of them, we all kind of knew was coming, but I did not know the context of what was happening. Holy F, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. But like, but, but Mar- is it Maruk? Mar- is it Merrick? I always mispronounce his name. Maroc, yeah, we we were trying to decipher that earlier. Okay, so all that being said, when, when, when she, you know, I, I came <laughs> Dwayne Maroc Johnson. Oh God, that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. No, but like when I came in, guys, and I was like, you know, when you guys were talking about him and what happened to him, I'm like, that's exactly like what, like that's like that to me is like the most under like talked about thing of this whole episode. It's Maroc. Like, what the? Like, what, what is this guy? Like, what is this? What does this? What, what does this mean for, you know, for for Star Wars? And, and like, you got, I didn't feel about Savage Press. Like, I was like, dude, that's genius. And like, what they can do now with the Night Sisters and all that, like, it is 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 phenomenal. Like, again, what what how he exists in the first place, and why there's not like a whole army of those things. They need to be told. I mean, there has to be a reason, right? So, I don't know. There's there's so much to go into. And, and I talked about, again, in my, in my Twitter post, I said, Dave Filoni, Dave, uh, Dave, Dave, oh my God. Dave Filoni <laughs> uh, does so much lore and world building in this episode. It's crazy. It's crazy what he accomplishes. It, it's just mind-blowing to me. And I just from like the pacing to like the dialogue. I had some guy on Twitter, and again, I don't want to you know, talk sh to this person behind their back. You know, I think his name is Jonathan. You're, you're our fellow Twitter follower. I appreciate you. Couldn't disagree with you more. He told me Dave Filoni needs a needs a, a writing partner or whatever. Another writer. I'm like, no way in hell. I don't want anyone writing that sequence of those dialogues. Oh my god, I'm talking horrible today. You're kind of breaking Dave up too. Uh, my fault. Um, I'm on my normal uh, mic and everything. I apologize. But I, I would not want anyone else writing the dialogue between Ahsoka and Balin during that fight scene. That was incredible. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you can't, you, like, name me a better fight, a, a, a lightsaber fight that has great dialogue and characterization and development. Right, because we don't know Balin's character that much. We've got little hints and pieces, but we got a full bore of the character in this fight scene with Ahsoka. And I thought it was fantastic. And it was just, I mean, the, the director who directed my one of my favorite episodes of, of Mandalorian, Mandalorian season three is a Peter as a Ramsey. Is that his name? Yeah, Peter Ramsey. He did a phenomenal job in the pirate episode. Yep. And this is more just finalization of like, yeah, I was right because that episode's fantastic. And people like try to don't talk about that episode that much either. I think that's a great episode, you know. And yeah, yeah, I just it just to me just shows you how good and how knowledgeable Dave Filoni is. And I would not want anyone, anyone else writing over Dave Filoni a like. Anything Star Wars, 
if Dave Florida is going to write it, let him have full control how he wants because he's proving to me. He already proved it in, in the Clone Wars and Star Wars in, in Rebels, right? Like we all get that, but he's proven to me that he should just be left alone. Let him do his thing because let him cook, right? As the kids say, let him cook. <laughs> And he, they, they absolutely cooked on this episode. I mean, like you said, even, you know, Peter Ramsey did a fantastic job directing it as well. Um, but, you know, I mean, we know that Dave is sort of the guiding force behind all of this, even on the episodes that he's not directing and he's writing all of them and stuff. I will say, I mean, you know, for people that might have issues with certain dialogue or whatever, like you could have more writers because that's what they did on clone wars and rebels too like you know they they, like dave didn't write every episode um and yet he still kind of had final say over everything or i guess on clone wars george did but you know you could you could have him kind of lay out the main points of the story and then let somebody else go off and write the dialogue and then have dave give suggestions on it whatever and it would still be you know sort of dave's baby if you will or you know like all the the main creative stuff would be coming from him i don't think that's a bad idea but I also think that the show is just fine as it is with him writing it. Um, yeah. So I, agree I, I, I really have no opinion one way or the other, as long as the show is as good as it is. Sure. You could have more writers to like spruce up the dialogue and try to make it more nuanced and stuff like Andor, but like, that's not what the show is trying to be. Um, yeah, so- exactly. We don't need Andor. Listen, I like, I think Andor is incredible. I, I really don't. I think the worst series we've gotten is book of Boba Fett, And I still really like that series more than most people. You know, and I, but I can acknowledge that it's not the greatest executed execution of, of, of the Star Wars, you know, on, on film or on, on some kind of live action, right? Um, but I, I just, you know, Andor also, like, treads, in my opinion, on being, like, overacting or over the top, like, over-dramatized. It's like, okay, I get it, you know, it's the Empire, they're evil, I get it, you know, like, it just it, it has its own issues that people I think try to gloss over because it's quote unquote serious, you know. Because I'm gonna tell you, Ahsoka may not have as good as good as quote unquote dialogue as Andor maybe or nuance like you said, Kyle. But I would not take this is the kind of Star Wars that I like, bar none. Because and and to me, great Star Wars is is Episode Four of Ahsoka. You've got mythology building. You've got you know great character moments. You've got droids. You've got spaceships. I mean, it's got literally every goddamn thing I want. <laughs> You're so right. Like, it's under forty minutes. It's like forty minutes. Yeah, it was like forty-four <laughs> or something. But no, I think it was like the official runtime was forty, but of course with credits and recaps and all, it's probably under forty minutes. Oh, was it just forty? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I think it's forty. I think it was forty-four minutes with with credits i want to say check check me out maybe i'm wrong i'm, I'm checking it out right now <laughs> i'm gonna check my disney plus app right now all right all right good so anyway i i just i just want to marvel at what we're getting because i the other day guys i went and uh you know the, the disney plus movie rewards program they still have i still yeah. peruse there and grab some things here and there and i'm bummed out because i've gotten like all a bunch of my star wars posters from there and i just kind of forgot about Book of Boba Fett. I forgot about Obi Wan, and I missed out on those. I was kind of bummed. And Ahsoka, let's be real. I mean, before it came out, had it didn't get a lot of, it wasn't getting a lot of buzz in like outside of the mainstream fandom. I would say, it just kind of was like, oh yeah, whatever. 
And I remember, you know, I was perusing on there and I went, oh, look, there's a Soka poster. I should pick that up, I guess, right? And I was like, yeah, I'll pick that up. What the hell? And I realized when I when I ordered it, I was wondering how big it was going to be. It's a full-on, like, movie one-sheet of just the big, I mean, it's a big Ahsoka face, which is fine. I love Ahsoka. And I love Rosario Dawson. Well, and hopefully and they'll like, put up that poster they just put out today because that thing mm-hmm. is awesome. Oh God, yes. Um, you know. By the way, it is. This was this was just forty minutes. Oh wow! Okay, so without credits, credits, you know, probably looking at like thirty six to thirty eight somewhere around there. Yeah. Oh, so I got the poster, and I was like, <laughs> and it's that it's that main poster you've probably seen online for promotional pur- purposes. Where it's like her face and it has like the like the the you know the, the logo or, or title card or whatever. Mm. And I was like, it looks really nice though. It's actually pretty cool looking. I'm like, yeah, it actually looks pretty cool. Okay, cool. And I ordered it, and it's huge. And I'm like, I'm actually gonna post this up. You better goddamn believe I'll be posting that up real soon because this is just becoming my most of my favorite Star Wars ever. Maybe I don't know. I'm getting crazy with this. But after episode four, I'm like, I'm ready to go all in. And I bought a shirt the other day. Like, I'm guys, I'm all in on Ahsoka. Like, this is, like, and another thing I want to talk about, too, you know, I could go on forever. I'm, I'm, I'm dominating. I apologize. I'll be off in a little bit. But I, I got to ask you guys, is, I, I think there's been legitimate, com, like, complaints about, the you know, the, the kind of the glumness of Ahsoka. Though I, I'm not sure if you listened to the last week's episode, but Tim, or Tim, Kyle, but like me and Tim kind of had a good talk about that. I thought, like, I felt like when Sabine re-entered the picture, like Ahsoka kind of like kind of shaped up a little bit differently, you know. And um, you know, and I think that's I think if you watch that first part of the episode with Hugh Yang, it, it kind of makes sense. Now, I think, but I do think there's a fair criticism with that too, right? I think this episode kind of showed her vulnerability more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like for instance, when she attacks. Um, when they fight, she attacks Balin first. What does a Jedi do? Jedi for knowledge and defense, never to attack. I know she's not a Jedi, but that was her first mistake. And Balin lured her in, and he didn't attack. Yeah, that's a good point. And then, and then got her, you know, got her off track. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying like you know. So I think there's there's you know, and she fails. And so I'm like, I, I thought the first thing I thought, I'm like, I'm like, Ahsoka's being really aggressive here. And I'm like, I wonder if she's just putting on this act or not, but she's kind of going through something. And we now are going to be seeing the evolution of the character. Because we all talked about like, you know, you know this is just too serious Ahsoka, whatever. And you kind of see her kind of the cracks in the character a little bit more in this, I, I felt. Like the flaws of the character. Which I think is great. Yeah, so, yeah, no, you you definitely see her being imperfect, um, showing a bit of vulnerability. Um, I think there were even a couple of moments, maybe at the beginning with Hu Yang or whatever, where you know there there were a couple of more lighthearted uh, moments too. Um, like I definitely felt like she, you know, she had a, a a good emotional range in this episode. But yeah, up to this point, I mean, yeah, she's been pretty stoic. Um, but I still thought it was pretty fitting for the character just because, you know, she's going for a more kind of like mysterious vibe. And like, I mean, A, that's just kind of in line with how we've seen Jedi act a lot. Um, right. Now, this show still has kind of yet to tackle the the whole identity thing of like, is she a Jedi or is she not? Because 
you know, she talks about having walked away from the Jedi Order, but then like she doesn't correct people when they still call her a Jedi. And she's kind of like seemingly like training Sabine in the Jedi ways. But then she says, I don't need her to be a Jedi. I just need her to be herself. Um, so I'm hoping maybe in the next episode, because I think we're going to get a lot of uh, exposition and kind of like exploration of the character and her mindset and stuff like that. Um, but I, you know, I, I kind of hope that they tackle that a little bit more head on as far as like where she stands in relation to, um, her, her kind of identity as a Jedi. Um, but yeah, it, it, I feel like her sort of stoicism, um, and, you know, lack of emotion, if you will, I think has, I think it's worked so far for, uh, you know, especially kind of showing some of the tension between her and Sabine. And like, maybe this is why they don't get along great. Cause you know, she needs to kind of warm up to her a little bit and not be this kind of like standoffish Jedi master. Um, but I think it's also kind of highlighted when you do see those cracks kind of shine through and, and see her show those moments of lightheartedness or moments of vulnerability or whatever. Um, kind of emphasizes that more but again also like she's been through some stuff she's got heavy burdens on her shoulders that like no one else in the galaxy really can share like she's one of few people left who have been through and seen the things that she has been through and seen so um you know she's you know at least at the beginning is very solitary and i think like you said part of that is uh you know sabine coming back into the picture and her learning to like warm up to somebody else again um so, yeah, I like the development of that kind of slow as it's been. But I think, uh, you know, I think this was a good episode for kind of showcasing that. And then I think we, you know, very well could see some big shifts in her character coming up. So, well, and I wanted to say, too, that I think there's there's so much here. And again, I, I can go back to Dave Filoni being the goat because he this whole thing was being I, I find fascinating because why like what he's opening up with. Because I, I I almost want her after this episode, you know, especially it, it, I'm kind of torn, right? But my like the storyteller side of me and Kyle, we again, we're arguing about our storyteller like sides of, of, of what we both view what's going on, but but uh, it's just like it's funny in the context of what we're talking about. Um, but with Sabine, I'm kind of torn because it it's very obvious where she's headed, right? But the but like the unique like storytelling aspect that this could be telling that I almost feel like it's like they, again like maybe they like the Floney could like swerve is when like Sabine is fighting Shin and Shin's like you have no power and like and, and Sabine's just sitting there and basically tricks her and blows her in the face right with a missile whatever uh, which by the way was amazing so uh, I love that. that was so I was so afraid again. That's clever storytelling. That's all. That's all. I'm assuming Dave Filoni. That is. It's just perfect. And the reason why I'm kind of like, I'm, I, I kind of want Sabine to be kind of a crappy Jedi. I, I, I really do want her to be that because I, it really, it would to me if she comes in like all of a sudden just, just like can take on like anyone, it just, it just would feel. I don't know. I don't know where, what kind of can of worms it opens up because I don't. I, I do have one small fear of like everyone's special. Everyone can unlock the force and become a Jedi. It's like it's a, it's a, I'm like I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like that. And it definitely feels like it could be going that way, or the fact that like you know acknowledging like because like you talked about Sabina needs to be herself, and 
it's interesting. Like, why did why did Ahsoka take on a Sabine? And I think that to me is a very still a fascinating aspect that we have not really gone to get figured out. Because even Hugh Yang's like, dude, well, why'd you do this? You know, and she, you know, I don't know. Like, we we don't have a clear answer. And we know, but here's the other fascinating part of it too, right? Ahsoka claims she's not a Jedi. So what the hell is she doing with Sabine trying to train her like a Jedi? You know what I mean? Like, was she even doing that in the first place? I don't know. This is where it's like, there's so many different ways you could take this. And I don't know, like when she says, I love that line. I just need Sabine to be Sabine. Is she just trying to tell her, like, you can be a force user or do whatever, and you don't have to be a Jedi, right? Like, I wonder if that's what she's trying to explain. Like, you can tap into the force kind of like a chariot, you know, a guardian of the will, a guardian of the force, maybe, at this point. Like, there's just different aspects about it that's really fascinating to me. I'm curious what you guys think about this. I don't I don't think that Floyd's going to be like, guess what? You can unlock, you know... It's like a video game. You can unlock this secret, and all of a sudden, the force is yours, and you're gonna become like as powerful as Rey or Kylo Ren or Luke Skywalker or Anakin. I just don't think he's gonna do that. That I think they're flowing. It's gonna sound really. I don't mean to be condescending here. I think he's smarter than that, but I don't know where he's going with Sabine quite yet. And I kind of both hear that, and I also kind of love that at the same time because, especially, especially at the end of this episode. She's acting on, is she acting on, like, is this all a setup? I don't know. Like, it's, I don't, is she going to be a crappy Jedi? I don't know. I don't want her to become, like, you know, all-powerful Jedi either. What, what do you guys, what, what's your guys' takes on this? Like, I, I got to know. Yeah, I think, I'm not, like, I'm not sure either. But I think with the sort of seeds they planted in the last episode, talking about how, like, I and I like that Ahsoka acknowledges that, like, talent is a factor. So it's not like we're throwing midi chlorians out the window and stuff that's been established in canon, whether you like that or not. Um, you know, it's not like they're suddenly saying, oh, anybody can be a Jedi and it's easy. Um, and certainly there are people who are more naturally gifted in it than others. And Sabine is not one of those people. But I think she also is in a unique position where because she's already so highly trained as a Mandalorian and then she's worked with Kanan and trained on how to use a lightsaber. And even through that, when they were training with the darksaber and stuff, he was kind of teaching her how to like be in tune with the blade and the crystal and kind of sense it and things like yeah, that. Um, and now it's like Ahsoka is trying to take that to the next level. And so it's like, I don't know that we'll ever see Sabine like physically use the force certainly not to the level of like you know she's not going to be like anakin or luke like that level of powerful um just in sort of natural force talent and whatever but i think we'll definitely at least see her tap into it somehow in the sense of like just sensing it or being in tune with it like you said maybe like cheer it um or something like that but i also think the scene on the ship where she's trying to use the force to move the cup I think is kind of like, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, oh, we're going to come back to that. And when she says, like, you win this round, I I could see a scenario where by the end of this show, we see her be able to use the force for the first time. And hey, you know what? Maybe it's Ezra that teaches her how to do it. Maybe somebody yeah. that's more on her level that she has. Maybe it's Grogu. Like a... <laughs> 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 I had to do it. I had to do it. I, I mean, that would be pretty funny. That would be pretty funny. But yeah, like it could be, you know, may maybe Ezra can unlock something in her that Ahsoka couldn't because they're more 
you know, they're more sort of peers and she has more of just sort of like a familial, like love for him as a brother. Um, and it's not this sort of more strict uh, master and apprentice relationship of Ahsoka, you know, kind of trying to push her and tell her what to do oh, and stuff. Hey, brother, sister, they can, come on now. Come on. Well, I ain't naive. Come on now. <laughs> Don't even try to act like that way to me. Like, those are familial love, brother and sister. Sabine and Ezra ain't going to be no brother, sister. They, 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 yeah, come on. Come I, on I think they pretty clearly established that in the first episode when she's watching the hologram of Ezra and he says, you're like a sister to me. Um, yeah, I think, I like, think there was some pretty clear intention there of uh, this is not where this is going to go. I, I took, again, I, we all read things differently. I read it as, well, I guess, uh, I feel kind of awkward. I mean, you're kind of like been a sister. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like he, that, that to me dude i i there's no doubt in my mind but we like, know he always didn't feel that way especially in the beginning of rebels exactly. so. yes yes no i definitely got the vibes at the beginning of rebels that he had a crush on sabine and that she didn't really reciprocate that and i think by the end of the show they had both matured to a point where he was just like i, I do just see you as a sister um I said that on the show I, in fact he I said it in Asalta. Dude, but that's one that's one little scene. And again, it's like a like a very much a, a going away kind of thing of like he's never gonna see her again and like whatever. I mean, listen, I'm not okay. I'm okay. not gonna we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> Regardless, I'm just saying she has a different and a closer relationship with Ezra than she does Yo, with that's Ahsoka. What I'm talking about. And that Thanks. maybe and that you know that, that Ezra might be able to unlock something in her potential wise that maybe Ahsoka can't, but we'll see. And, and, and it's him. I'm, you know, after this episode, do you feel the same way? Like I, we talked a lot about that, which I thought we had a great conversation. I'm curious, do you feel any different now? No, I still think we're going down the path where she's not going to, she's going to grow as a character, but in her ability in the forest, not really too much. I think she is going to represent someone who's being trained as a Jedi, but we're going to see the limits of what someone who's not really strong with the force can do. Like, it's that's, yeah. we're going to see her kind of become that character. So I still feel that way where um, she'll probably continue with her training. And like you guys said, there might be something where we do see her use the force, but like very limited. It's not going to be to something where, okay, she knows how to use the force. Now, now like the floodgates open, she'll be able to train to become a master or like all the other Jedi you mentioned. No, even though she'll still be able to use it, it'll still be very limited. But at the same time, that just might be enough and all that she needs uh, at this point. So, yeah, especially with how the fight with Shin that she had, because they kind of teased it up in the trailers too, where she puts her hands up and Shin tells her, like, you have no power. Like, was that going to be the moment where she goes, like, no, you're wrong? And then she lets out a force push, but it was even better than that. <laughs> just using her Mandalorian training in that instinct, because it just would have sent, like, out of left field, where, like, how all of a sudden now that she just was able to do it. Um, just were like a little bit a while ago. It was such a struggle even to move that cup um, well, without much it, more training. Which, since by then, the so. way, I, I, I missed that whole trailer, and I'm so glad I did because I had no idea what was happening. This is why it's so great not to watch trailers, for God's sake, because I have no I have no idea what's going on. I had no context for anything. It was fantastic to get that moment without being ruined. I just want to say that for the record. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, great. well... It was one of those great things where the trailer makes you anticipate, like, well, what's going to happen there once we get there? And that's fair. It totally delivered on that, just doing something unexpected, but better than what you were thinking of. So, yeah, I just think, cool. and just 
another thing too i'm wondering because the title of this episode i've been thinking about it if it could represent multiple characters because at first i thought it was it's going to be about balin and then maybe even a little bit of ahsoka but now i'm thinking maybe it represents sabine too as far as like fallen even though she's not technically a jedi but she was training to be in just that moment where she makes that decision um where it's like she kind of failed in her training so to speak as Ahsoka student to be a Jedi. So I'm, I'm just wondering if that could apply to multiple characters than just maybe one. And I think if you look at it from a certain point of view, it maybe could apply to Sabine as well. Or maybe this is her moment where she failed as a potential Jedi and whatnot. But not yeah, to so- mention a certain Darth Vader. That is true too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love a, an ambiguous title with multiple meanings that can apply to multiple different characters or situations within an episode. So, yeah, I love that because also, you know, I mean, I know we're jumping ahead here, but like also Ahsoka literally falls um, <laughs> Another good point. at the end of the episode. So like it can refer to so many different characters. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that's the thing about this episode is that we got to see the heroes kind of like be be real characters and yeah. they failed like there's the there's the actual like i'm doing the right thing failure with ahsoka like trying to come in and be the hero she fails uh sabine fails at like temptation right like like the hero gives in and and like she she uh fails the, the selflessness right she mm-hmm. becomes selfish and and does that i mean like that's which to be to be quite honest guys i was shocked I was 100% shocked when she did it. I was like, wow. Unless, really quick, I just want to say, like, does this mean, like, I, I love the fact that she looks like she's a really flawed person at this point. Like, she's desperate, right? I love that. And I'm really hoping it's not a double cross. I really don't. Same, I, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't Same. think it is. I hope not. Like, so, yeah, you, you guys want to talk about that for a second. I, I think that, to me, that this is what makes the episode i think the is the heart of the episode it's not it's not the fact you've got um you know uh the big anakin reveal at the end it's not about you know the lightsaber fights itself it's what the results are and what they mean for the characters and just like i not i didn't predict it but what it means for them is like those are relatable things in, in a mm-hmm. sense of like you come in like I'm gonna do such a great thing. I'm gonna all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, I got actually flipped over off a cliff. That sucks, you know. And then like, and then you have like uh, Sabine, who's like, you know, you want you 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 know, you have someone who's because Balin. I think that's what makes him so crazy, right? It's like so crazy good, and, and how awesome he is as a character because he's not he's yeah he's a bad guy and he's doing bad things, but he's not exactly like again the whole Sith idea of not lying to people. He's not a Sith. As, as far as we know, but he's being honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I fully believed him when he said like he'll either like protect Sabine or make sure yeah, he exactly. she finds Ezra. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You believe? Yeah. You not only not only does she believe it, but you believe it. That's yeah. How, that's yeah. Well, and then is. he and then he backs it up when yep. um when Shin shows up and starts force choking her, and Balin's like, "Hey, like let her go. I gave her my word. I wasn't gonna hurt her. Like I'm not about to let you just you know play out your little revenge fantasy now." Um, you know, I'm going to stick to my word and, and make sure that she's protected. Um, yeah, he's a fantastic character. And I mean, the more oh we God. see of him, the, the more we see of him, the more, you know, it's just tragic that we lost Ray Stevenson um, before he even got to, you know, see the show come out and see the, the reception from the fans and everything. Um, 
but man, he is just killing it. Like, you know, I mean, Balin and Shin made a great entrance in the first episode where you're like, okay, this is a, a cool, imposing new villain. But like every scene of dialogue he has where I talked about, you know, just kind of those layers of like the the honor and respect and like almost fear, like like a healthy kind of fear that he has for the Jedi because he knows how formidable opponents they are. Um, and like his, you know, his his honor and duty and being a man of his word and, and all that kind of stuff. In addition to being just a, a fearsome, imposing fighter, and I mean, seeing him in action in his lightsaber duel with Ahsoka in this episode was oh. freaking crazy. Um, is, and Kyle, let me just, ask something real quick. Sorry, I, I, I have to say that I don't know if you're familiar, only because I want to ask you this and ask both of you this, and, and the audience as well. Do you think Balin is maybe one of the best on screen villains we've gotten in Star Wars so far? Oh, absolutely. Like one of now, I mean, we're only four episodes in, right? So I want to see how his whole character arc plays out. Um, You know, so right now, just based on screen time and how well they, we know these characters and stuff, I wouldn't quite put him on the level of like Darth Vader and Darth Maul and and Palpatine and stuff yet. Um, But certainly as far as new villains coming in and just making their presence felt and making an impression, um, and instantly being memorable. Um, yeah, he's, uh, I mean, Balin and Shin, I think, have knocked it out of the park for for different reasons. They've both been really mm-hmm. fun, memorable villains so far. But Balin especially, and especially with this episode, like, has left a huge mark. Um, and again, you know, we'll, we'll see what else happens with them by the end of the show. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's as far as like initial first impressions of a villain within the first few episodes of a show or the, the first few scenes of a movie or whatever, he certainly is is up at the top in terms of like strong first impressions because he's just been fantastic so far. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's on the he's on the right track because becoming one of like like best Star Wars villains that we've gotten. Like again, it's probably a little too early to definitely say so, but He's on the right track. So, yeah, definitely when it comes to live action shows. I mean, Moff Gideon's great, too, especially. Yeah. Oh, he's character. great. Yeah, he's great. Don't get me wrong. But, but for but what just... you're saying, right off the bat, yeah, in this, these first few episodes that we've seen of him, yeah, he's just doing things just so differently that we haven't seen much of from all the Star Wars antagonists. So, yeah, he just gets immediately, like, props and recognition for that. Yeah. And I, mean, and, and I would put him in, a, I would put him above Moff Gideon. I think Moff yeah, Gideon I maybe. I I think Moff Gideon maybe made e- an even stronger entrance in those first two episodes, like coming out of the Tie Fighter with the dark saber and everything, and being like, "Oh man, this guy's crazy." But he then hit you Grogu, really... bro. He hit Grogu, but he hurt him. Well, he had his his stormtroopers hit Grogu, but um, <laughs> still. But then you come to find out that, like, I mean, and and I. I love the character, don't get me wrong, and I love Giancarlo Esposito's performance, but, you know, like, he's he's an egomaniac, um, also a bit of a, not a coward, but, like, you know, he's obsessed with, like, making himself better, like, you know, you, you can tell he's got, like, some flaws and some insecurities and stuff, and he's, like, you know, just big and bragging, and, oh, I'm gonna make the next generation dark trooper filled with clones of me and make them Force-sensitive because I'm the best and whatever, you know, and he's just this egomaniacal, like, narcissist. Balin, I think, is a much more intimidating villain. Um, again, because he's kind of got those layers of nuance to him and and a, a more kind of layered history and everything. Um, and the fact that, like, 
that he's almost like this gentleman, like, you know, he'll keep his word. He'll shake your hand. He'll look you in the eye. But if it comes to a fight and you're on the wrong, you know, you're, you're on the wrong side, like he will absolutely beat you down. Um, as, so as we just, saw in the first episode, right? Like when the guy, well, like, as we saw in the first episode and then we, as we saw even more in this episode, it's funny because like we had had just a couple brief glimpses of his lightsaber duel with Ahsoka um, in the trailers and stuff. And it was like, okay, yeah, like this looks cool, but like, I'm kind of, you never know. It's like, okay, let's wait and see until the full episode, like how good this lightsaber duel is really going to be. Um, but I had seen a couple of interviews with Rosario Dawson where she talked about like the lightsaber training and the way that they filmed the fights and stuff. And she was talking about Ray Stevenson and how like, man, he just gave it his all and was, was, you know, going full throttle. And she's like, there was a couple of times when I was filming with Ray, when I was like, Hey, right. Like, you know, you don't actually have to try to kill me. Right. Like, you know, he was just beating her down and stuff. And so, and after seeing this episode, I was like, Oh man, like I see what she's talking about. Like he is just ferocious. And I was like flinching with just some of the moves he was doing and the way that you could just feel the power in those swings and stuff was just, it was crazy. Yeah. I would say that to me, Balin is so far. Again, we don't know. I mean, after just watching secret invasion, which again, I, I really liked it first, and then it just yeah. turned into complete crap, you know, at the very end, which is, was a major, major, major bummer for someone like myself. That being said, you know, I, I, I have a lot of high hopes for how where his character's headed. And it, either way, what, here's the most depressing thing about it no matter what happens to this character at the end, we won't get any more of this specific, like, performance. And it's yeah. just, it just a effing travesty man i mean yeah. obviously more obviously someone i'm assuming lost a family member and ray when he passed away and that's more important than anything but as a person you know for me it's just a major bummer you know as you know for that and on top of the fact that like he gave us many great performances but this one is just like there's something there's just something special about it and i, and I do think it's he, he's obviously a great actor but what's even crazier is just, I think some of the shot selection that we've gotten from, and I think all of the directors, including Filoni, uh, Steph Green, and Peter Ramsey, have really tapped into like how to like portray him on on the camera and certain angles to make him to really add to the to like his gravitas. You know, I know that sounds really stupid and it's just kind of whatever, but it does. Like there's some there's just some certain angles they they shoot they shoot him at that I'm like some sort of a wider angle so you get the whole picture of like him holding his belt. Like this, those kind of things where it's the whole picture, that whole the way he even holds himself standing, there's this interest again. It's all there, and I I I I only say it because I notice it myself now. I don't notice it with other characters, but with him, I notice it, and they, it's almost like they, the camera has to pull out for him because it like he just is the way he's exuding himself. He has to be a, like a full. Right. I mean, I'm curious if you if you noticed this at all, Kyle. Am I, am I am I am I being crazy? Like it feels like that anyway. No, I mean I haven't noticed that specifically, like maybe as strongly as you have, but I'm sure that that's all like that's definitely all intentional. And I'm sure that just the way I feel about the character, that you know, the cinematography and stuff and the direction has sort of enhanced that. That when you have a big imposing character like that that you're gonna want to shoot their scenes in a way that sort of take advantage of that and enhance that in the best way possible and i feel like they certainly did that even you know especially in the fight and you know some of the angles of just the 
the lightsaber fight and stuff. Um, and, you know, certainly the, the choreography and everything, just taking advantage of his size and stature and just like, I mean, man, that was, that was one of, I mean, it's, we've gotten so many lightsaber duels at this point. Right. But like, I definitely think the ones we got in this episode are probably my favorites out of any of the live action stuff so far. Um, although the one between Obi-Wan and Vader at the end of Kenobi was also great, but like, you know, part of my issue with Kenobi is just like the, the visuals and the production value and stuff and having this fight between Ahsoka and Balin where they're in the midst of this star map, like just visually it was all fantastic and really, you know, engrossing and pulled you in. Um, but also I would even argue maybe more so than Vader in, in the Obi-Wan show, like again, just Balin's like the, the choreography and the moves that he does in this fight, like you, feel the power in those swings like you, you i think the um just his fighting style like says so much about his character and i feel like they did that with with all of the fights in this episode like i was talking about how they all felt so distinct it's like the the fighting styles and the choreography felt like they matched each character so well but i think Balin more than the rest of them where it's like this doesn't feel like any other lightsaber fight that we've seen before like yeah this feels like he's fighting in a way that only he would fight. Also so, yeah, give... I thought I thought they just did a, a great job of presenting that and making you feel like, oh, this is this guy is something new and something different. I also want to give credit too to the sound department on this with the sound yeah. with the lightsabers in this and both the duels between Shin and uh, Sabina, but in particular this one with Ahsoka and Bela, it just sounded fantastic. You mentioned like you felt the power of Balin's strokes and his lightsaber blows, but just the power of the sound too of his saber had like mm -hmm. that little edge to it <laughs> that you don't hear from other lightsaber wielders too. So it just all these elements just added to what was just a great, fantastic sequence. It just made me think how obviously, like you said, we got trailers. Um, we saw glimpses of these of this battle in the trailers. And it just that excitement for like this took me back to like the prequel days where you would see glimpses of the Obi-Wan Qui-Gon and Maul fight or Anakin and Obi-Wan in episode three, just how we're just getting a taste of it here. And we just can't wait to see the whole thing, how it's going to be. Uh, and this duel reminded me of that because the actual duel between Ahsoka and Balin is so much more than what we got in the trailers, which looked like, I mean, a cool lightsaber fight, but I don't think nothing that was, was shown in those trailers that made you like really get blown away. But mm -hmm. this, but when you're seeing the actual fight play out as you're watching the episode, it's just this fantastic and just made you think like yeah they did a great job in those trailers to kind of show what type of a lightsaber battle you can expect but when you actually see it you're just given so much more with the choreography and then the the dialogue that's being spoken and this kind of what's at stake in this moment for these characters too so it was just fantastic all the way around but they did such a great job of teasing it and then just really going above and beyond the expectations of just how great this lightsaber battle was between these characters yeah, it was it was just insane. Like I said, I found myself just like flinching and recoiling <laughs> from the the visuals and the sound of some of Balin's attacks and stuff. There was one where he kind of does this like, you know, kind of spinning twirl move where he like jumps up in the air and like slams his saber down on Ahsoka. And I was just like, oh, my God, like <laughs> this dude is intense. Um, and just to go back for a moment too to like the duel between um, Sabine and Shin. Um, I loved how, uh, 
you know, like I said, we got to see Sabine using more of like her Mandalorian gadgets. She starts off with firing the blasters. And then, you know, the shot that you guys talked about where she puts up her hand, like she's going to use a force push. And then instead, you know, closes her fist and does the wrist rockets. Like that was such a cool, you know, kind of switch. Um, and kind of catching Shin off guard with that and using it to disarm her of her lightsaber. Um, but I loved how even that fight felt so distinct from their first fight. And it's funny, with mm-hmm. the first fight, I remember talking a lot about the way that Shin was using her cloak in the fight. And then this one, she took the cloak off at the beginning. And so maybe she's feeling more confident in her own abilities and, you know, being able to uh, defeat Sabine without having to resort to kind of the deception of, like, throwing the cloak in her face and stuff. Um, but also, like, I mean, I wasn't worried, but I did kind of wonder just from all the different stuff we had seen in the trailers and, and the story just setting up... Um, you know, having all these different force wielders and lightsaber wielders in the show, it's like, okay, well, if we're going to have a bunch of different battles, like, are they, I mean, a a lightsaber fight is never boring, but like, are they going to be able to make these all feel entertaining and unique and kind of distinct in their own ways? And they certainly did in this episode. Mission accomplished. Um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, definitely. And like I said, I mean, the, the Sabine and Shin fight in this one felt very different from their first fight, but it also felt very different from the Ahsoka and Morak fight. And, totally different from the Ahsoka Balin fight. So, um, yeah, it was like a, a good, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes, however long it was, a, a decent middle chunk of this episode was like all lightsaber duels and it was just all great stuff. And some of the best lightsaber duels we've gotten, like I said, certainly of the out of the live action uh, TV series. Yeah, couldn't agree more. <laughs> just like, even though that episode was just mainly about and focused on these duels, this there's just so much more layers to it. Just that that makes them so great too. As far as you're not just seeing some cool action, but just what kind of the characters are going through on both sides too, with Balin and Shin, and then Ahsoka and Sabine more so. But still, you're just kind of. I mean, you care about every character in the show so far. Like, there's not a weak character at all mm-hmm. in this series. Um, we could some might have more screen time than others, but every time a scene goes to a different character, you're never disappointed that it's taken away from another character because there's every, everyone that goes down to your performance, the writing, obviously all that, but it's just, I said this before, I think in the first episode, where it was just clicking on all cylinders in those premieres and it's continued to click on all cylinders in these next two episodes, but especially here um, with the action and the character and just everything all around. But yeah, so for an episode that's mainly focused on action it's the character stuff uh, that you're seeing in the action that just really makes it a great one yeah you're so right like there's it's such a wide cast of characters and i like all of them so far the the one downside of this which we were all kind of texting about a couple weeks ago or whatever is that this show this show is going to cost me so much money in black series figures um (laughs) because every time a wave comes out i'm like oh i want that character i want that character i want that character because i like them all um, and there's not really anywhere I'm like, eh, yeah, that one's all right, I guess. Or I don't particularly care about this one. Um, yeah, they've just, they've all been great so far. And you're right, like lightsaber duels are cool and all and, you know, visuals and choreography and stuff. But like, you have to care about the characters behind it. And they've certainly done a good job of establishing these characters and making you care about them. And then, you know, of course, there were just some great character moments in this as well. One other thing I wanted to say, too, about the lightsaber duel um particularly uh, the the Ahsoka Balin fight is I like that it also kind of had a dynamic to it that we haven't really seen before where it, it was almost like a game of keep away in a sense 
where the map was going. And of course, they're uploading the coordinates to uh, the hyperspace ring because, you know, they're, they're transmitting the coordinates from the map to the, the distant galaxy, the, you know, gateway to Paradia or whatever. Um, and so as they're fighting, like Ahsoka is trying to grab the map away. And there are times when, you know, she'll she'll push Balin down and then run over to grab the map and he'll come back over and take a swing at her and she'll just, you know, dodge around. And so it was, it's not like they're just, you know, trying to kill each other. It was like Ahsoka has an objective that she's trying to get to and Balin mm-hmm. is trying to prevent her from getting there. And there was a lot of interesting, you know, back and forth there. You know, she gets around and goes to reach for it and he grabs her and just like swings and throws her across the, the um, you know, the area. Um so yeah, just a lot of really cool dynamics in that fight that we hadn't really seen before. Um, but of course, eventually she does, you know, she knocks him down and gets the map. Um, and then, you know, we see like she grabs it with her hand and it burns her and she has to, you know, like get rid of it, but she's able to dislodge it and stop the countdown. Um, and one other thing I liked about this too, um, I felt like they they did this whole countdown thing really effectively because I've talked about this before. One thing that bugs me in in Star Wars and some other like shows and movies and stuff is when they just have like arbitrary countdowns for things. Um, like one example is like in The Force Awakens during that final battle where Starkiller base is like, uh, you know, is draining the energy from um, the sun or whatever. And like C-3PO is on a planet halfway across the galaxy and is like, the base will be charged in seven minutes and 30 seconds. And it's like, how would you know that from like all the way across the galaxy? You're not even there. And feels like he's just kind of, you know, throwing out numbers. Um, but with this, like you clearly have a console that's showing like the sections of the coordinates that are being uploaded. And so it felt, I, I thought it did a good job of sort of presenting that tension and sort of keeping the clock moving and knowing like what the stakes are and how close they are to, um, you know, kind of time running out and the bad guys achieving their goal and stuff. And just that simple, like visual representation, it didn't feel like Ahsoka just being like, oh, we only have three minutes before they take off into hyperspace, you know, without any real way of her, her of her knowing that. Um, so that was just one little touch of the episode that I appreciated where I was like, oh, you know, I've seen instances of this before that I have, you know, thought were not done well, but this was, you know, one that I thought was done pretty effectively. Um but uh, yeah, you know, she at least for a little while is able to uh, get the map, dislodge it, send it rolling away. It brings down the whole thing and disrupts the transfer. Um, and then, you know, Balin gets mad and goes after her and is just driving her back to the edge of the cliff. Um, and she seems, you know, kind of worn out by the fight and weakened by like having her hand burned and she's kind of, you know, up against the ropes. And then Shin comes in. And of course, you know, sort of the end of her fight with uh, Sabine, she just like throws the smoke bombs and escapes. Um, but of course, Shin being the first one to make it back, Ahsoka is, you know, worried. She's like, oh no, what happened to Sabine? Like Shin must have won the fight. Um, and Balin tells her to retrieve the map and Ahsoka just reaches out with the force and is, you know, picks her up and hurls her against a rock. Yeah, um, that was brutal. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, you could definitely tell like it's not like she fully lost control and was like going oh, yeah. you know evil dark side there but that was definitely not uh you know as she said to hu yang in the beginning she's not following standard jedi protocol like she definitely was <laughs> yeah. giving into a bit of emotion there um 
And of course, she still is, you know, sort of serving the greater good by trying to not let the bad guys get the map. But like there definitely was some anger in that force throw and, uh, you know, wanting to get back at her for um, having, you know, maybe presumed to have killed Sabine, which we soon find out wasn't the case. But um, yeah, again, showing, you know, like you talked about, Paul just kind of showing her flaws and the, the cracks in the armor there. Um, and that, yeah, she's she's not above giving into anger a little bit. Well, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about, too, was, um, you know, when Ahsoka brings up, um, she's talking to Balin and that whole fight, okay, that fight is so good in the character development. One of the things that he talks about was like, oh, Anakin never talked about you, you know, whatever. Which, mm. by the way, is so funny because, like, we all know Anakin didn't take a, a paddle until, like, in the last couple of years, right? So it's not like, you know what I mean? But, the other thing is when she's, I think what she says back to him and you can tell it kind of affects him. She's like, funny. I never heard of you either. And I'm like, well, like, no, she, he said, he says that Anakin spoke highly of you. Oh, that's and, right. Okay. I apologize. Yeah. And Ahsoka is like, oh, that's funny. Cause he never mentioned you. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I apologize for messing that up. I apologize. Um, the thing about that was interesting to me is you can tell it affects him either way. It affects him. Right. At least that's the way I interpret it. Because um, to, to me, I think Balin's whole personification of who he is, I think he's trying to be more than what he was not meant to be, but like what he wants to be. Kind of like that whole like Sith thing where it's like, I want to be more powerful. I feel like that's where he gets lost in. Like he's kind of like the, oh yeah, we're, we're, we're okay. Balin's here. Balin's that okay jedi or you know like he, he never got like it's almost like he's like anakin skywalker where he wanted that power he wanted to be on the council but he never was right he never he never could for whatever reason right it could be for multiple reasons but it definitely feels that i'm getting that impression that, like he wasn't as powerful as he wanted to be he wanted more and i think that he resented being pushed into a place where he was only as powerful as he was because of the council or of the Jedi dogma, if you will, that to me is what he kind of represents because he obviously has respect for the Jedi because he's he, it's evident in Shin's, um, you know, the way her costume is, you know, she is, you know, basically almost like a Jedi Padawan, right? With the whole braid and everything. That to me is fascinating because it tells me that even though he doesn't like, I'm a Jedi, right? Uh, at the same time, he's also like trying to uphold some like Jedi values. You know how he treats Ahsoka, his word. So there's like this weird, um, there's this weird thing where um, I don't know if he's just acting like that because he's just a nice guy. He's a, he's a, he's almost like a, he's a good bad guy, if you will, right? Um, you know, so like it just seems to me that there's there's this, the character development that we got from Balin in this episode, particularly, it feels like he's, he's he resents, at least how I'm interpreting it, he's resenting the Jedi Order, but he also respects it and upholds it in some regard because of, of everything else and how he treats himself, how he treats others, and also just the visual um, representation of, of Shin what she represents so there's just really fat he's so fascinating in that aspect and i, I think that line that soka says to him like you know he never talked about you like it almost feels like he was like the the guy the uncool kid of, of school 
to kind of end up being like way, you know, way cooler and better looking than everybody at the end because he maybe got out of the, of the order, you know, before everyone else did. Because we, we know, I think they, they allude like he disappeared after the Clone Wars, is that right? Or during the Clone Wars? Yeah, is after the Clone Wars is what Hugh Yang said. So probably yeah. safe to assume during Order 66. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but again, we don't know. That's what to me is fascinating because I, you know, I think there's room and improvement. I, I, I hope it's not just Order 66 related. I kind of hope he kind of, he gets pissed before Order 66. Well, I think I it want. is because I think Hu Yang says, I mean, he doesn't specifically mention Order 66, but he said like at the end of the Clone Wars, he disappeared just like so many Jedi. Um, right. So it seemed like, you know, he kind of disappeared the same time as everybody else. And then he just was the, was one of the few that happened to reemerge, kind of doing his own thing. Um, yeah, I hope. But yeah, I, hope, I like I hope, that exchange. I, I, I like that exchange too, because even then, you know, he's kind of prodding her more and says, like, uh, you know, few. Uh, or he said everyone in the order knew Anakin Skywalker, but few would live to see what he became. And then he's like, that must, uh, you know, that must have left some kind of mark on you, huh? Like, is that why you walked away and abandoned him? And then she, you can see, like, that affects her. And she starts walking towards him. And that's when she takes off her cloak. And she kind of chucks it with some attitude. And is like, I'm not here to talk about my past. Um, and, uh, um, you know, and then they they start the, uh, you know, get their sabers out and get ready for the fight. And, of course, you know, Dave with his, like, samurai movie influences. Like, I love how pretty much all of these fights start with... Um, you know, the opponents facing each other with their sabers out and sort of very, like, deliberate pacing, like, measuring each other up. Like, again, very much like um, like the beginning of the Obi-Wan Maul fight in Twin Suns. Um, and definitely harking, harkening back to, like, Kurosawa and samurai films that, um, you know, that influenced um, George and that Dave loves to, to reference so much. Um, and so I, I feel like I, I, I feel like all I, the I, fights kind of did that, but especially the Ahsoka Balin fight. Like you could tell they were doing yeah. the thing where they're you know they're dancing around each other, measuring each other up, going to different saber stances, and uh, even you know Balin at one point had his saber up really high, just like Qui Gon and Phantom Menace. And uh, yeah, it was just it was cool to see that kind of stuff. And this is one thing I love about. Um, getting this as a TV series as well, because some of those more kind of slow, deliberate moments that like don't slow the story down, they definitely add to it. But it's not like like if this was a movie, that was something that would probably be cut because it's not essential to move the story along within like two hours. But you add those little touches to just like spread it out and and let the story breathe more and add those little fine details and just kind of take their time with it. Um, and it just makes it feel so much more kind of yeah. rich. And so, yeah, hey, I just love that. I, I got a roll. I got a roll, guys. Um, but I, I really appreciate it. Let me chime in and interrupt in a bunch. I, I really do. I appreciate it. Um, I actually saw him way more than I thought I was. It's great. Um, I can't wait to dissect next week's episode. I've got tickets oh, to go to my theater, yo. I'm going. Like, I'm going. I'm not sure who's going with me. I might go with myself. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, that's gonna be such a cool experience, man. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I, I'm I jealous, man. They, so, they, yeah, for anybody that missed it, they announced that like for the next episode, they're doing uh theatrical screenings in so far just 10 cities. I don't know if they're gonna add more, I hope they do. Um, but I'm like, I live in Phoenix, which is like, I think 
at least the Phoenix metro area is like the fifth biggest city in America. And like, we didn't make the list of 10 cities that get these Ahsoka screenings. I'm like, Hey, what the heck, man? Um, well, but, but anyway, I, I really appreciate you guys doing this. I got a roll, but I will report next week of what, how that experience was. I'm hoping there's some goodies there when I go. Cause you know, yeah. I'll love me some goodies. Um, but anyway, guys, I will talk to y'all later. And, uh, say, say, what, what do I say before I leave every time? Huh? It's um all right yeah so glad paul was able to jump in for a little bit i guess it's only fair that he gets to go to a screening for the next episode when we got to go to the the one for the premiere oh yeah Um, we cannot be jealous (laughs) no except i mean man there was a little part of me that at the end of this episode was like man i wish they had you know i wish that premiere screening had been the first four episodes because like this is the kind of stuff i really wanted to see on the big screen in a packed theater full of star wars fans um but man, yeah, just like all that stuff with the, you know, the the dialogue between Ahsoka and Balin and then the fight and everything was just so dang good. Um, and then, like I said, you know, Shin comes back, Ahsoka knocks her out, then Sabine comes back and, uh, you know, Ahsoka kind of, you know, it gets that glint of hope in her eye when she realizes like, oh, wait, no, Sabine is still alive. And then Balin just turns and, you know, slashes out her lightsaber hard enough to knock her off the cliff and you know she falls into the abyss uh you know seemingly falling into the sea below um and of course watching you're like i'm sure she's gonna be fine but um still it was like oh shoot i wasn't expecting that that was a pretty intense moment and then of course he turns to sabine and uh you know she's got her gun pointed at the map and is like don't come any closer i'm gonna destroy it and uh, he convinces her to give the map over to him instead and successfully kind of preys on that that emotion and that fear of losing Ezra um, to the point that, you know, like Balin's morality is very interesting because like we know he's a bad guy and we know that Sabine is doing the wrong thing by giving the map over to him because it's going to allow Thrawn to come back, which is what the bad guys want and the whole thing that Ahsoka talked about, you know, even if it means leaving Ezra stranded, like stopping Thrawn's return is what's best for the greater good. Like that's the ultimate objective here. Um, and yet Balin is able to convince her that, you know, saving your friend is like not a bad thing and that, you know, we have a common goal and I'll make sure that you're protected and that we're able to succeed in this together. Um and so, like, when when Sabine gives him the map, it doesn't feel like her, like, going to the dark side or turning bad or whatever. It's like, you definitely understand why she feels that way. I also like that there's, I feel like there's a moment in the conversation where Balin almost seems to pause to, like, sense her thoughts for a second. And then is mm-hmm. like, okay, I see the weakness. Like, I see how I'm going to approach this. Um, I even think, too, before that, like, once... She, he probably noticed the hesitation of Sabine from destroying the map when he still had Ahsoka on the cliff. Um, I, my sequences might be a little off here because much to my disappointment, I've only seen the episode one still. <laughs> but Oh my god. Uh, I, I think We're going to wrap was, this up so you can go watch it again. That was kind of my hope for tonight, but we'll see. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's like he noticed like the hesitation in her. It's like, oh, I can maybe pry on this. Like, let me just take out a, get rid of Ahsoka right now just so yeah, because I think if Ahsoka, I think if Ahsoka was still there, she wouldn't have given it to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Yeah. So he's like, yeah, let me let me remove well, this first. Know. Yeah, because I mean, she'd have to be like really knocked out or something to not interfere with Valen having that discussion with her later on. So yeah, right, right, right. Well, but I'm just saying, even if I mean, even if she was somehow you know incapacitated, like regardless of how how Ahsoka would have tried to interfere in that, I just think um, she would not have. Um, you know, she wouldn't have given the map over to Balin with Ahsoka right there. Like, and I think even when he says, like, oh, you feel like Ezra Bridger is the only family you have left, I'm sure that's compounded by the fact that, like, she just saw him knock Ahsoka off the cliff. It's like, oh, now I don't even have Ahsoka anymore. So now, like, Ezra really is all I have left. Mm, so. Yeah. And then there's the other kind of big reveal that we got, too, where Balin reveals that her family is all killed now on Mandalore mm -hmm. where just we were kind of that was always the question kind of lingering once we knew she was going to be in here it just kind of also too adds to what her state of mind was at in that first episode of everything that she's gone through and kind of speculated on too how if her family is gone um being killed in the purge of Mandalore just how she kind of played a factor in that too if she has that guilt of that and just kind of again just all leading towards her desire and reasoning for wanting to find Ezra for him being kind of like the only family that she's going to have left. And like you said, this Balin is really pride on that and just really got her to, got her to trust him and believe in him to give up that map. So it was just kind of another side of Balin just thought makes him great too. Not only as we we're talking about just how he was, wasn't that lightsaber duel, but then also here in that moment of temptation, because it's one of those rare moments in star Wars um, besides Anakin, anyway, giving into the temptation of, the dark side not necessarily this is like dark side related here but it's giving into that temptation that the antagonist is giving you and that mm -hmm. your heroes really for the most part always reject and kind of do the right thing and toss their lightsaber <laughs> and say i am a jedi but in this case i really like that they just went in the other direction here because then it makes total sense for why sabine would do that too and as paul mentioned like because i was talking to someone else about it today too thinking oh it's just like it's just part of her plan she has like a an end game to this or like a strategy to her doing this, but I didn't get that at all. I hope that's the case where it's mm -hmm. no, she just really wants to find Ezra is going to do anything to make that possible. And if she thinks this is her only shot, then she's going to take it. Um, even if it is something that could bring big uh, consequences to the galaxy. So yeah, it was just kind of a, a refreshing to see that play out. Just made it more a humanizing moment for a character to make that decision and uh, go through with it. I mean, of course, if she had destroyed the map, this would be a real short show. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of one of those things that was like, it was all, always destined to happen that they would get the map one way or another. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely don't think that she really had any kind of like ulterior motive. Like she's not playing a game here, especially because like she alone is not strong enough to take on, uh, you know, Balin, Shin and Morgan all combined, let alone... You know, she, she can barely handle just Shin by herself. Like, she's not going to be able to take all of them on and stop Thrawn all by herself. Um, now, if she finds Ezra out there, I think she and Ezra are going to do something together. I Like, I, I think once they go there and they find Thrawn and they find Ezra, it's not just going to be like Ezra and Sabine teaming up with the bad guys and coming back willingly. I think they're going to probably break off and do their own thing. But And we still got half the season left to see what's going to happen over in that other galaxy um and how ahsoka might get over there which 
could happen in very interesting fashion, as we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but yeah, like it, it definitely felt, it, it wasn't like she had this glint in her eye of like, oh yeah, I'll give you the map and then I'll get you back. Or this is all exactly, part of my plan. Yeah. Like it felt like a real like desperation move. And, you know, her trying to cling to uh, sort of the, the values that Ahsoka instilled in her. And like, I know this is wrong. I know we got to stop throwing. Like I, I got to destroy this map, but her caring for Ezra sort of supersedes that. And Balin preying on, you know, those fears and that isolation and, and her feeling like Ezra's the only one she's got left. Um, and she's like, man, as much as I want to stop Thrawn, I I want to find my friend more. And I feel like I owe it to him. And I made him this promise at the end of Rebels that I would, you know, that I would find him and bring him home. Um, and so, yeah, it... it definitely didn't feel like a, a manipulative thing or like a oh don't worry everything's gonna be fine it felt like a moment of like her sort of surrendering and going you know what okay like let's let's do this um another so another yeah thing was... it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what the ramifications of that are because yeah. obviously this is going to reunite her with ezra but now whatever happens with thrawn coming back and starting this war with the new republic like in some sense, that's all going to be on Sabine's shoulders. Um, so, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out and what all comes of it. Another thing I was thinking about too, just how there was probably two constant wars that were going through Sabine's mind during that moment, counting on you. Ahsoka says that um, as before this when this episode starts, she asks her, "Can she count on her?" And she says, "Yes." And then. What was one of the last things Ezra said in the in his message to everyone? He goes, Sabine, I'm counting on you. And she even says that to mm. herself. And it's like, I just can imagine hearing like those words from both Ezra and Ahsoka in that moment, just going through her head as far as like they're both counting on her to do something. And it's like all coming down to this moment and she has to make that choice. So again, just adding to that, just what a major conflict that must have been for her in that moment. But yeah, and just it just makes you really just understand why she made that decision to find Ezra and put that first and foremost for um, doing what she did. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like I said, even more to the point that I think Balin being able to knock Ahsoka off the cliff really kind of reinforced for Sabine, like now Ezra really is all I have left. Like, um, you know, it's not like she can be like, oh, like I'm sure the, yeah, as she's maybe thinking those words through in her head, hearing uh ahsoka saying i'm counting on you and hearing ezra saying i'm counting on you she's like well now ahsoka might be gone so like now ezra counting on me might be the only thing i've got mm -hmm. left so um yeah it's definitely a, it, it was a, a very well done like you know humanizing kind of moment um and you know like you said hearkening back to a lot of other scenes we've seen in star wars where the villain is like join me um but you know, her doing it in a way that, again, didn't feel like turning to the dark side or, oh, no, Sabine is lost now or she's evil or whatever, just like, but understanding why she made that choice. And even to an extent, I mean, it's it's not even like, because her just giving the map to Balin is not like Anakin uh, swearing allegiance to Palpatine and then going and murdering younglings, right? Like, 
as much as you can say that she is responsible for, you know, whatever happens with Thrawn now, like, she's not going to be the one killing people. Um, again, Sabine hasn't turned to the dark side. She's not committed any, like, heinous act or she didn't, you know, kill anyone or do something cruel or anything in the name of getting Ezra back. She just kind of took an offer that was in front of her that, you know, was sort of mutually beneficial to both parties and felt like this was kind of the only option she had left. And it was a very understandable choice to make. So, um, yeah, it was a, a great, um, you know, just great character moment there um, where you can totally understand the, the dilemma that she's going through. Yeah, it just it made for a nail-biting scene because I was like, the part of me is going, oh, you know, they're probably going to do what you expect as far as her listening to Ahsoka, destroying the map and doing, you know, what's best for the galaxy at the same time. I was like, nah, I could see it going the other way too. It's like, she's taking an awful long time <laughs> to destroy that map if she was going to do it already. But that moment when she just handed it into Balin's hand, I was like, oh. So they're going the different direction, and I, and I like that they're doing that. So yeah, it was just a great, uh, just a great moment all around to end what was just <laughs> a fantastic sequence all the way around from both of their duels, and it all led to that to that moment right there between Balin and Sabine. Yeah, well, and of course, I mean, for me watching it, I was like, I'm like, don't do it, Sabine. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know she's gonna give it to him because <laughs> again, like they're gonna go find Thrawn. Like the show would be pretty dang short if she just destroyed it right now. So um But it, it could have been someone like, like she was gonna destroy it, but Balin stops her and then he takes it. So like yeah, it yeah. It's it's so it was kind of the inevitable outcome, but still was done in a way that didn't feel predictable. Exactly, yeah. and you could you could definitely feel her her sort of turmoil and conflict over that choice, like every step of the way. Um, so, yeah, that was great. That was really well done. Um, so, of course, then Balin takes the map, um, and like we said, immediately Shin shows you know gets back up and starts force choking Sabine, and he you know calls her off and is like, no, 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 I gave her my word, and I'm going to keep it. Um, and then he reactivates the map. They finish downloading the coordinates. Um, they they get on the shuttle and go back up to the hyperspace ring. Meanwhile, Hera and Phoenix <laughs> Squadron come out of hyperspace. Um, and man, I know we talked about this earlier when you know they first left the fleet, but like we got some awesome ship shots in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just seeing you know in live action the ghost with a squadron of X wings come streaking towards a planet, and everything was just so freaking cool. Um, but you know, they, they detect the object. They're like, all right, let's go cut it off. Um, and they try to take this thing head on and, uh, they get sort of holo maneuvered in a way where, <laughs> you know, Balin and Shin and Sabine make it back up to the ring and they power up the hyperdrive. They're like, all right, we got the coordinates. Let's go get Thrawn. Um, and they see the ghosts and the ships coming and they're like, yeah, we're not stopping. Like just engage the hyperdrive and go. And luckily you know you got this big giant ring so it like goes around them as they're going off into hyperspace and doesn't just ram into them but just the the aftershock and the trail and the you know the slipstream or whatever you want to call it of the ship taking off into hyperspace just throws the squadron into chaos you know knocks some of the x-wings into each other and some of them you know crash and explode and i think they had like you know, five X-Wings with them going in and only the Ghost and two of the X-Wings make it out. Um, 
So that was just crazy. Like another just cool visual space sequence that we've never seen before. Um, and kind of a, a fun play on the Holdo maneuver, seeing another thing of like, okay, what happens with, uh, you know, these ships interfering with each other, jumping to light speed and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'm like, obviously we knew the ghost wasn't going to get taken out right there. Um, but like, you still felt like they were in danger and you're wondering like, oh, what's going to happen here? Um, and I'm glad that Carson Tiba made it out too, because, you know, I was like, oh man, I hope they don't kill him off right here, but. Yeah, I thought the maybe they might have. Was like, oh man, we're gonna like see Carson Tiva bite it here, like to have one familiar character not survive like an encounter. Yeah, in this series, but yeah, I was glad that he didn't. Though. Yeah, of course, it was funny because we in uh, the Mandalorian we saw Zeb in like a rebel pilot outfit, and so um, you know when you see like when we're first introduced to the other pilots that are flying these ships, it was like, oh man, like this would have been a great opportunity to like have Zeb flying one of the X-Wings or even maybe like Callus or Rex or something like that and see some of these other familiar characters. And then once these guys all got wiped out, it was like, oh, no, I'm glad that wasn't anybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then of course you get uh, little Jason who at the end of, or, you know, in, in the first episode we saw him in, who was like, oh, I want to be a Jedi. And now in this one, you know, after the whole hyperspace thing, he turns to Hera and it's like, mom, I have a bad feeling. And uh, it was just such, I mean, you know, like a twist on the classic, like I got a bad feeling about this, but like, rather than just like, oh man, I got a feeling we're in trouble. This was like, had, you know, yeah. he, this was serious. Like, oh Until man. Until he's like, sensing I, something. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And um, I was wondering, I was like, is this him sensing the force for the first time? Um, which I think would be really cool seeing that, but also like, uh, you know, just it, it sucks to see like, you know, just this, this bright eyed young kid, like having to go through this moment of, you know, sort of darkness and fear like that. So, um, yeah, I thought that was really well played. And also, like I said, I, I think, um, the actor that's playing Jason, I think he's done a great job so far, um. And, uh, you know, I thought that was even just for like the couple lines that he had in that scene, I thought his delivery was good. You really felt like the, the sort of weight that Jason is feeling right now. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought that was all great. Yeah, it was just a great sequence. And not really a space battle, but just the cool visuals of X-Wings and the ghosts is out in spaces. And again, something different that we really haven't seen X-Wings go through, especially at least in live action seeing them kind of get dismantled like that. So it was just a cool visual. And then, like you said, just a kind of a great moment between Hera and Jason right there. And just at first I thought he was going to say, you know, you're now iconic for you. I have a bad feeling about this, but I'm glad they did it. Cause it kind of would have come off more as, as a joke moment where there really wasn't room for any type of jokes in that particular mm -hmm. moment after what they just experienced. So just to have him say that he just has a bad feeling, uh, just, it was just great. Just end it right there and just know that he's just feeling really, uneasy and uncomfortable with what he's feeling right now and like you said maybe that is kind of like the first time he's actually feeling something through the force and it's just such a new sensation for him so yeah it was just a, a really cool sequence that again is just what makes this episode just so so good and just full of the star wars goodness mm -hmm. um yeah and then of course we go back down to the planet and you see Hu Yang, you know, fixing the ship. And I guess we had seen the ship, seen him fix the ship before that, because then he was able to contact Hera as they were, you know, approaching the planet. Yeah. Um, but then 
you know, just kind of the sad scene of like Hu Yang all alone and he's trying to contact uh, Ahsoka and Sabine and he's just all alone in the forest and they're gone. And we know that Sabine is now off on the ship with the bad guys and they're off off into hyperspace going to find Thrawn. Um, and then meanwhile, we we cut back to uh, the the shrine or whatever where Ahsoka and Balin had their duel and it's all empty and quiet. And then we get this overhead shot panning over the ocean and it's like, oh, are we going to see? It's like, okay, of course we know Ahsoka's not dead. So like, we're going to see what happened to her and is she... Uh, is she in the ocean? Is she at the bottom of the ocean? Did somebody or something pull her out of the ocean? Like what's, what's going on here? And there's this cool transition where just the rippling waves kind of transition into like Ahsoka's arm as she's laying kind of in this space and you can't really tell what it is. And then as the camera tilts up, we realize that sure enough, oh, Ahsoka in live action is sitting in the world between worlds um <laughs> oh my gosh dude like just that alone um, i know i know <laughs> and it looked so freaking cool like it looked beautiful it, that's what it looked like <laughs> yeah yeah it looked amazing and i was shocked like i i know like coming into this just from the trailers and stuff, especially the fight between Ahsoka and Balin, like everybody thought that looked like the world between worlds or that like sort of the iconography on yeah. the logo looked like the world between worlds. And I always thought like, eh, it just kind of looks more like a star map. And I know that like Ahsoka has obviously a connection to this place and it's been part of her story before and it's Dave and whatever, but like I wasn't a hundred percent convinced that we were going to see it in live action. And I certainly did not think we were going to see it this early on in the show, like by the end of episode four and to have her just fall off this cliff and end up here. Um, you know, I was, I was shocked. Um, and then of course, as she's slowly getting up and realizing where she is, you hear uh, at first muffled and then becoming clearer and clearer the voice of Hayden Christensen as Anakin uh first saying hello snips and then <laughs> he says like one, he says like uh you know you got here sooner than i expected or something like that and she's just kind of on this bridge that's you know going through the space in the world between worlds and you know turns around and sure enough she's face to face with anakin skywalker um and just wow man like i <laughs> again we knew it was coming at some point I did not think that that was going to happen in this episode, like by the end of, of episode four of this show that we would be, and again, the, the whole speculation coming into this was like, are we going to see Anakin as a flashback with her in the Clone Wars? Are we going to see Anakin in the present day as a force ghost? Are we going to see him with Ahsoka? Are we going to see him with Luke? Like, you know, what's, what's going to be the thing there. But like, I did not think that she would be coming face to face with him in the world between worlds less than halfway into the series. Like <laughs> did not have that on my bingo card at all. Um, and just like, he looks so dang good too. Like just seeing and hearing Hayden Christensen again. And especially like as the episode three Anakin, um, mm. which is also kind of like the look of Anakin, like from the end of the Clone Wars, like it was one thing, it was cool seeing him in, um, in, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, obviously with, 
uh, with Obi-Wan and seeing like the flashback scene of the two of them training in the temple together with him in the, uh, the episode two looking outfit with the Padawan braid and everything. But like, this is my favorite version of Anakin right here. And just seeing that in live action again was just so special. Um, and of course, like, I know there's been some, you know, not everybody loves what they did with like the digital de-aging of Hayden Christensen's face. Um, I think it looks great. I prefer this over, you know, them keeping his wrinkles and stuff in, um, in Obi-Wan, which like that still was great to see him in that, but it was like, you kind of just had to suspend your disbelief a little bit because it's, it was very obvious that this is like a 40 year old man playing the role that he played when he was 20 and you just kind of go with it. Um, yeah. But for this, like having him look younger, like I thought it fit perfectly. Um, and, you know, you, you say what you want about like how smooth and digital it looked and whatever, but also like they're in the world between worlds and like it's got this kind of soft ethereal glow yeah. kind of lighting to the whole thing anyway. Too. So like any weird looking faces or anything, I'm just going to attribute to that and just roll with it. So, um yeah, but man, I uh, like, and it's one of those things where as soon as you hear the voice, like, you know, the reveal is coming. I will fully admit when we saw him, you know, when, when she turns and sees him face to face, like I let out a very unmanly squeal when I was watching <laughs> this for the first time and just was, was completely over the moon. Then of course it cuts uh, and, and goes to credits. And the last thing that you hear is the, the notes of Vader's theme. And like, I was Which like, I, found interesting. I was, <laughs> I was shaking for a minute, like after the episode ended, and I was immediately trying to like text friends who had also watched it and post about it on Twitter, and like my hands were shaking, and I was just, <laughs> it, I was, I was going absolutely nuts, um, and rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, can. it was just wow, what a moment, and I mean, what an episode overall, like just with all the the action and the lightsaber duels and stuff, and all the great story moments and great character moments leading up to this point i already was you know halfway two-thirds of the way through this episode going man this is some of the best stuff we've seen in any of these these star wars shows so far like man this is what i was looking for from the series like this is some dang good star wars right here um and then the anakin reveal at the end just put it over the top like the the anakin reveal and the world between worlds reveal like you know of course this is the big moment that that everybody's going to be talking about until the next episode comes out. But the, I mean, the whole episode leading up to this, I think is worthy of a lot of hype and discussion too. And just the whole thing was great, but yeah, man, just what an incredible way to end. Phenomenal. Yeah. It was just amazing to see unfold. I will say, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, it's, you, I'm not saying you guys spoiled it or anything, but Paul said a text before I watched it saying incredible, absolutely incredible. And then, you said the gift of kind of confirming that. I was like, okay, something big's going down. I'm not sure what, but something big. But then I was always going to watch it with my brother. He actually saw your tweet because I was staying off Twitter until about six o'clock. I'm off everything. Then he goes, well, something big's going down. I saw Kyle's tweet. He's like, he says he's shaking. I'm like, oh, oh boy. <laughs> okay, something's going to happen. But I didn't really start. It wasn't until we got to the point where Ahsoka fell off the cliff. Where I thought, mm, okay, this actually might be where Anakin makes an appearance, because as, obviously, as we've been speculating on, he 
what our blues for me anyway, I was really hoping we see him as a force ghost. And I thought, okay, this is going to be it. We're going to, because it's not going to end without going back to Ahsoka and seeing mm-hmm. where she's at. So I thought we're just going to see her either like kind of on the shores or something unconscious. That's what gonna... I thought that we were yeah. maybe going to see that Anakin had somehow pulled, like that Anakin's force ghost had saved her somehow, like, you know, using the force or that, yeah, she was going to, or... like, that was my prediction. But was that we were maybe going to see her like up on the beach with yeah. Anakin's force ghost standing over exactly. her or something like that. So I wouldn't think like necessarily saving her, but just kind of like waking her up, telling her like to get back into like the fight. Yeah. Type of thing. Just yeah. saying her name. We look, she'd look up and we see the force ghost Anakin and that would be it. But see, this is why I'm glad I'm not writing the show or I'm in charge of it because much better talented people are in that because they just find a way, Dave Filoni just finds a way to surpass your expectations and does things that are just so great and unexpected that just make total sense i mean let's let's go beyond just having anakin force goes let's have anakin in the world between freaking worlds <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean you know how much i was hoping that that would play a factor in this series and i was as much as i wanted to and think there was hinting at it i was kind of like you were like i don't know if we're actually gonna go to the world between worlds as much as i would hope so but at least like have some connections to that the pathway to the other galaxy just have it be somewhere connected to the world between worlds but nope Dave gave it to us. We're seeing the world between worlds and live action, and it just looked phenomenal. Not just that, we're seeing Anakin Skywalker and Ahsoka together in the world between worlds and live action. It's just like, ah, uh, so great. It just blew my mind seeing that. And it's just, again, the perfect way to end this episode and set up for what's going to be, I think, a game changer next week with what's in store for us in next week's episode in chapter five mm-hmm. or part five. But boy, just this moment which is so surreal to see hearing Hayden Christensen say the words snips. It was just like, wow, <laughs> that, that in itself was just a great moment. But then just seeing the two of them together. And what I loved too was Ahsoka's reaction. First, she like she questions it just saying master. But then when she turns around and actually sees Anakin, she doesn't say master. She just says Anakin just has the biggest smile on her face. And we're just talking about how Ahsoka is being more of a stoic and serious character in the series and so far just in general in live action because even in her appearances in The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett but in this moment and we just really kind of saw that old Ahsoka shine through here when she saw Anakin just have that big smile on her face it was just fantastic and it's just oh man I can't wait for next week because it's just going to be something truly special because this moment in itself was just truly special so yeah it's just Man, <laughs> amazing. Like you said, I was going to echo what you said, how this was already a phenomenal piece of Star Wars content before we got here, but this moment just like truly made it a special one. And it just fits so perfectly too with everything that we've got. Like I said, it just doesn't feel like shoehorned in or just something like so out of place. It just feels so right <laughs> after watching mm-hmm. this episode unfold. It's just, uh, it, was, it was a magical moment. But see, these something that we as fans of the Clone Wars for 15 years probably never thought (laughs) we would see the day, Uh, let alone live action, but Hayden Christensen back as Anakin Skywalker with Ahsoka. It was just incredible. So, yeah, we knew it was coming, obviously, that Hayden would be back as Anakin, but not to be introduced in the way he was, which was just mind-blowing. So, yeah, I mean, the wait for next week is going to be painfully long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It already is, but, man, it should be so worth it. It was just Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Yeah, just... Hats off to everyone involved with this moment. 
yeah, absolutely. I cannot wait to see where they go with this next. Um, now, did you want to speculate at all as far as the, <laughs> what you think? Absolutely, yes. Down? I was about to say, wild speculation time. Um, I I think, and I forget if maybe you brought this up or maybe it was Caleb that I was texting with. I was texting a whole bunch of people in a frenzy last night after watching this both for like the first and the second time. But someone, you know, had had the idea that like, maybe this is where she turns into Ahsoka the White mm-hmm. um, after coming out of the World Between Worlds. And after, it would very much mirror Gandalf having, yeah. you know, a, a near-death experience falling from a cliff um, and then entering this, you know, sort of ethereal realm and getting a second chance at life and coming back out, uh, you know, sort of renewed and restored. Um, and so I, that's my like i'm i'm fully expecting them to go that route now that whatever we see go down with anakin in the world between worlds next week that i think she's going to come out of that um sort of with the ahsoka the white look um i wonder if maybe the next episode will kick off maybe backing up a little bit so like it'll show her show balan knocking her off the ledge again mm. and we actually see what happens when she falls you know, sort of like Gandalf in Two Towers, where it opens with you know yeah. showing more of the the perspective of him fighting the Balrog and stuff. Um, but I I can't help but wonder, like, because it's I don't think there's just like a portal to the world between worlds down in the water or something like. But maybe no, because also I don't think Anakin like pulled her in there because he's like I didn't expect to see you this soon. So I wonder if she did actually die. And that the the world between worlds, like, I know there's the temple on Lothal that, you know, they were able to, like, the ancient Jedi that built it or whatever were able to harness the planet's energy and use that as an entry point into the world between worlds. But is the world between worlds also just, like, the cosmic force? Like, are we now seeing... You know, when a Jedi dies and becomes one with the Force, are we now seeing for the first time, like, what that looks like from their perspective? And now she's, like, meeting Anakin in the afterlife, and she is somehow going to get a chance to come back from that. Um, I think that would <laughs> possibly make sense, because, I mean, again, you know, how else would she get in there? Now, there could be secrets about the planet Cetos that we don't know. Maybe the reason why the night sisters built that shrine on that cliff is because it was a powerful nexus point of force energy on the planet. And maybe there's also an entry point to the world between worlds there or something like that. So there's a lot of different ways they could go with it. Um, But yeah, I think it would be interesting because I mean, she, she doesn't seem to have come in through a doorway or whatever. Like she's just kind of lying there in the midst of it. And then she meets with Anakin who, as we know, is dead. So yeah there's part of me that's like is she dead too or like you know what's what's going on here so um yeah lots of lots of interesting possibilities but i can't wait to see um sort of how they explain it i can't wait to see how they explain it for the new fans too because (laughs) as much as i was freaking out and enjoying this you know there was one thought in the back of my mind also going like oh okay this is where they lose the people who haven't watched rebels um (laughs) So yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that goes, but um, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's this is incredible. I can't wait to see. 
um, just the story that they tell next week. Of course, it's I know it's a longer episode. It's I think next week's supposed to be like 49 minutes, and it's directed by Dave Filoni. And the fact that they're putting it in theaters. That's a big like, thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I feel like that would be worth doing anyways, just for like seeing Anakin and Ahsoka together in live action for the first time. But like, you know, there's going to be some good stuff going down there. If they're putting a mid-season episode in theaters, we've been wanting them to do this forever, right? right? Like with <laughs> even Mando and stuff, I'm like, man, even just like a premiere episode or a finale episode or like the final arc of Clone Wars, like put that in a movie theater and let us watch it. Um, and the fact that the first time that they're doing it, I mean, I know we had like the fan preview screenings for the premiere too. Um, but those were like invite only the fact that they're like, okay, now we're opening this to the public, even though it's only 10 cities. Um, but you know, you can, you can sign up to get a pass and like anybody can go. We're having these open screenings for people to go watch this episode in the theater. And it's a mid season episode makes me wonder, okay, what's going to go down in this episode. And then what are we in store for, for the rest of the season? And are they going to do a theatrical screening like this again for the finale? Because I sure hope they do. And I hope they open it up to more cities and put Phoenix on there and, you know, some more places that, you know, people can go and enjoy it. Cause, um, man, I mean, it was great seeing the first two episodes on the big screen, but I can't imagine what, uh, just the reaction to the theater would have been right, like, seeing this, let alone <laughs> seeing the, let, let alone seeing these lightsaber duels and hearing the sound effects and everything on the big screen. And I'm hoping that like, you know, once Thrawn comes back, you know, maybe we get some kind of space battle or something. Um, plus, you know, there's gotta be some rematches between Ahsoka and Balin and, uh, Sabine and Shin, or maybe Ezra's going to take on Shin. Like, um, I think there's, you know, there's plenty more exciting action to come for the rest of this show. So, um, yeah, I'm just like, if the mid season episode is good enough to put on a movie screen, how good is the finale going to be? But, um, yeah, regardless, I think we're in for just some, some crazy stuff next week. Um, and just to try to imagine like Anakin and Ahsoka walking through the world between worlds together, talking about their journey. <laughs> and I'm sure this could also maybe be where we're going to see some flashbacks of, mm -hmm. um, you know, Clone Wars or Revenge of the Sith or just, you know, different things that they've been up to during this time. But also just to think about, you know, hearing them talk about Luke or hearing Anakin talk about, you know, his journey as Vader and his redemption and, and hearing, you know, seeing Ahsoka's reaction to that, knowing that, um, at the end of everything that he made the right choice and that he's, you know, good again. And that she gets this chance to interact with him again. Like, it's just going to be so That's, special. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, ugh. Dave, Dave is going to wreck us next week. <laughs> um, but it's going to feel so good. <laughs> to see that yes. Man. The best kind of hurt. Yeah. See, uh, man, for me, it's like, I think as far as how she got there, I think she accessed another portal to it. Like the planet Sito says is another planet like Lotha where you can access it to. Like you were saying, maybe it has something to do with the that temple that was built there by those beings from the other galaxy. And just knowing how it's kind of in that is the point to get to the other galaxy and the world between worlds is kind of in the middle there. So I just think she accessed it at some point because I don't know, I have a hard time thinking that she's she died again. Because she died once before and was brought back to life. I'm not sure Dave's going to want to go down that well again to have her be resurrected, but kind of more of a metaphorical sense to 
come back as like the Gandalf the White. So I'm still leaning towards that she just kind of accessed it either unintentionally or just, you know, it was the will of the force that she go back there. Um, because you make a good point. Like I was wondering, is it going to get revealed where Anakin uh, kind of pulled her in? But saying how he was there earlier, or he says that you're earlier than expected, maybe he wasn't expected for there to be there that soon, obviously, if he's saying that. Um, but the other thing too, as I was, when I watched it the first time, um, I didn't see the scar on Anakin's face. So I was thinking, oh man, is this like an Anakin from a different time period where like before, like like during the set during the Clone Wars already and he's meeting up Ahsoka here. But when I watched it again, it's like, okay, it's, it's a little more, it's not as highlighted as much as it is in Revenge of the Sith, but the scar is definitely there. So kind of what I'm hoping this is, is kind of like Anakin's still obviously dead, but he's in the world between worlds it's a place where the force is just it's nothing but the force there and anakin being the chosen one is just like that strong connection where he's able to kind of manifest his being more strongly than as a force goes where pretty much where he could just has his physical body be there it's like it's at that level where he's able to kind of connect with those the strong area of the force and obviously him being one of the the greatest Jedi ever as Dave Filoni put it and being so strong with the force as the chosen one it would kind of make sense that he would maybe be the one maybe the only one who could kind of go beyond just being a force ghost but have his physical presence there to make it like um that is his actual body but in a sense it's still kind of his spirit there um but yeah just thinking about what can go down in this episode i mean i doubt it but i hope all 49 minutes is just anakin and ahsoka in the world (laughs) between worlds and just I kind of get the feeling that maybe it's going to almost be like a Christmas Carol type thing where like Anakin's going to be like the ghost of Christmas past, future, present, all that type of thing. Not necessarily that same way, but kind of showing her or maybe recapping certain things in their history. Um, because, I mean, another conversation I can't wait for them to have is Ahsoka is going to say, you know, I imagine so that she's been here before. This isn't the first time. Well, how did she get here? It was being pulled out by Ezra in her duel with Darth Vader. And she's talking yeah. Anakin right there and just getting their takes and their perspective on all that history. So it's just going to be incredible to see. Yeah. And as you mentioned, just hearing now Anakin being brought back from the dark side and just looking back at things as Vader, just something we have never really seen before. And to get Anakin's reflection on that is going to be incredible like his regret just the emotion he's going to show and then again just the possibility of luke being involved somehow and you know we were speculating on that too as far as what an amazing moment it would be to have anakin ahsoka and luke be together on screen together in one moment having a conversation but i will say this i think all that fun stuff we were speculating on about appearances whether it's from luke or captain rex i think if that stuff's going to happen, it's going to happen in this next episode. And maybe not in the ways we think, because maybe Luke, Anakin and Ahsoka do share screen time together, but they're maybe looking through one of those doorways at Luke talking about it. Maybe Luke's not necessarily interacting, which mm-hmm. would kind of be a bummer, but maybe he'll find a way too <laughs> to access that point. Maybe it's something where all three of them somehow connect during this moment in the world between worlds. I don't know, but there's different avenues that can go about it. And then also too, just, if we're going to get a Clone Wars flashback, it's them, again, looking through a doorway to the past. And we get to spend a few moments with 
Anakin, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, Captain Rex all together um, in the past during the Clone Wars. And just what a mind trip that would be seeing all four of those characters together again in live action. So it's just all this different stuff where I think they can go down these roads from talking about the past, the present, and then the potential future. Um, maybe Anakin will mention something about, I mean, Ben Solo, we don't know, just like his, and the future of the Jedi uh, was Rey. It's just, I don't know, there's some of the potential that we can, different story ideas that we can get because of what the world between worlds has already introduced with all the voices that are being heard as Ezra was walking down there, spanning the different eras of Star Wars. So just, I think it's going to be like that just on a much grander scale. And obviously the focus is going to be between Anakin and Ahsoka here, but man, it's just going to be, <laughs> again, I just cannot wait. I'm speculating about all this stuff and what I think would be cool and kind of hope to see. But again, Dave Filoni is probably something even better than what I'm speculating right here. Stuff that I'm not even mm -hmm. thinking about right now. So <laughs> that just gets me even more excited more than the stuff that I'm thinking about right now. So yeah, it's just, we're just set up for something and true to, truly incredible. And I just think a Star Wars episode moment, whatever you want to call it, something some of Star Wars for the ages <laughs> we're going to get next week. So, yeah, I just couldn't not be more thrilled for the way they introduced Anakin here, being in the world between worlds and what that means for next week's episodes. And just Ahsoka's journey, too, because I think this is the perfect way for her to make that transition into um, that Gandalf the White uh, character that Dave Filoni has kind of said so much about the journeys that Ahsoka's uh, going on, what it's going to lead to. So, yeah, just strap yourselves and it's going to be an absolute fun emotional ride next tuesday and it can't get here soon enough but then once we do get it like i'm not going to want that episode to end i'm sure <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah it's just going to be it's going to be a special moment that's for sure for star wars fans yeah it's going to be amazing i can't wait to see it and like you said like we're just going to be surprised like we can sit here and speculate all night on you know what we might see in terms of like flashbacks or story or character interactions or whatever but i'm sure dave is going to surpass all expectations and all speculation and i mean this is always like my favorite part of the show too like we're now past the point where we've pretty much seen everything from the trailers mm -hmm. um except for like obviously we haven't seen thrawn yet and we saw a couple shots of him in the trailer um but like, I think we've pretty much seen everything else, at least all the big like main set pieces and stuff. And obviously we didn't see anything in the trailers to suggest Anakin or the world between worlds or anything like that. So we've just got no idea what's coming next week. Um, and yeah, like I have, I have ideas and speculation and stuff, but really I'm just going to go into this being like, all right, Dave, what do you got for me? Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say you brought up the whole thing about, uh, you know, Anakin, like, is he, is he a force ghost or is this just like Anakin from episode three somehow or something? Cause I've seen a lot of this speculation from people online too, where they're like, Oh, he's not, um, you know, he's not blue. So like somehow Anakin during the clone wars got into the world between worlds. And like, this is breaking the canon cause he can't meet Ahsoka at this point, whatever. And I'm like, first of all, chill out. Second of all, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is a force ghost. Like, it, at least this is my interpretation. I think this is his force spirit. Um, and I think the reason that he's not like shimmery and blue is I think that's the way that force ghosts, you know, sort of manifest in the physical world where their body has left the physical realm and they've become one with the force, but they're now able to 
appear through the energy of the force to have, you know, still have some sort of physical presence or something, you know, a physical representation of them that somebody can see. But you're in the world between worlds, which is the force. Like, so it would make sense that, you know, whether somebody is alive and has a physical body or whether they're a spirit and they've become one with the force, that things would just exist and appear there the way that they're meant to or the way that you're used to seeing them or, or whatever, that there would not really be a distinction between, um, you know, physical bodies and force ghosts or whatever. And like I said, maybe Ahsoka's dead too. Like, we don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, just knowing that, um, you know, knowing that Anakin's dead at this point in the timeline, um, and seeing him again with the episode three appearance, which is also how his force ghost appears to Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi in the special editions now. Um, yeah, I just assumed like this is that same version of Anakin, um, just, you know, appearing to her as a force spirit now after he's died and gone through his whole thing of being Vader and everything. And it's just because they're in this realm, you know, within the force itself that it just doesn't play by those same rules of like how force ghosts look in the physical world or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll get all those answers next week. Um, and like you said, I'm also just knowing that it's going to be a longer episode next week and that Dave Filoni is directing it. There's part of me that is also hoping that maybe we get our first glimpse of Thrawn next week. If we cut to, you know, Morgan and, and Sabine and all them and see what they're doing over in the other galaxy. Um, I think there will be more to the episode than just having Ahsoka and Anakin in the world between worlds yeah. for the entire 49 minute runtime. But I also would be okay with that too. Um, it wouldn't necessarily make for a great episode of TV, but as a star Wars fan, it would just make for some great fan service to just have the two of them talk and, and reminisce and see flashbacks and memories and stuff for 49 minutes. But I don't think that's what we're going to get. Um, so I'm excited to see what other stuff we get as well um, and and see, you know, how much is going on over in that other galaxy. That was a big focus of, you know, me and Paul's debate that we alluded to, you know, before we started recording was um, sort of how much stuff are we going to see happen in this other galaxy and how much of the, the focus of the story is going to be on that and how soon is Thrawn going to come back from that other galaxy and, you know, are we, is he going to be the main and the main bad guy over there or is he going to be the main bad guy back here um so yeah maybe we'll talk about that more in a future episode we made a friendly wager on it um <laughs> and i'm pretty sure i'm right just like i was pretty sure i was right that luke was going to show up in the mandalorian and i was um but we'll see um but yeah i'm i'm very excited to see that as well and see just sort of where the rest of the journey goes for this show um obviously you got those guys over in the other galaxy but now the question is like okay well how are ahsoka and hera and everybody else going to get there um and i'm wondering like are we gonna see are we gonna see the the villains and sabine like make the journey to the other galaxy and then is ahsoka just going to be able to access it from the world between worlds and just step out of a portal there or something and meet mm -hmm. them there and, and join in the fight or whatever's going on um or even I was actually I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say I was talking with my brother about the episode last night. He brought up an interesting point where when she grabs the the, the map and how it burns into her hand, like there mm. might be more significance to that, where it's like somehow she's gonna like the location or the pathway is now kind of 
within her where she's able to like have the knowledge of where to go without the map now that it's destroyed and that, that might would be her be, way to get get over there that would be interesting um but also i maybe she can find that knowledge out somehow through the world between worlds mm -hmm. or maybe even see through a portal into that galaxy and somehow find out where that is and then bring that knowledge back to our galaxy and she's able to go there with Hera or something yeah. like that. So and you just you just strap a pergola on the ghost and you're on your way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I I gotta believe the pergola will probably play some sort of role in that yeah. as well. Um yeah, maybe they will somehow, you know, sort of hitch a ride with them over there. Um so yeah, we'll see. Maybe that'll be where the next episode ends. Maybe while she's in the world between worlds, she finds a way to to do that, and then she comes out and reunites with Hera and everything. And then, um, just like how this episode ended with, uh, you know, with Morgan and you know taking the ring and everything and um, getting over there, then the next episode will end with them with Ahsoka and Hera following them. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Lots of possibilities. Um, lots of ways they could go with this next episode and a lot of cool stuff we could see and i'm i'm sure i'm not ready for it whatever it's gonna be <laughs> Same. i yeah, just I hope mean. that they announce more the more cities that are getting theatrical screenings between now and then that's all i'm hoping for yeah maybe it'll just be such a high demand for the ones that they announced already that they'll add more cities to it yeah right like, enjoy it on the big screen <laughs> please <laughs> um and one thing too, I'll, I forgot to mention too. Let's kind of circle back to what I was talking about at the beginning with Ahsoka and kind of telling Sabine to kind of she might have to do what she needs to do. Are you ready to do maybe what you might necessarily want to do, but have to do for the greater good of the galaxy? And I was thinking how that might can connect to when she is back with Anakin in the world between worlds, as far as him kind of reminding her what they were like as master and apprentice where they would let nothing stop them from helping each other wrestling each other even if it meant uh doing things against the jedi cohort they would let i mean the arc and geonosis where luminar was ready to let uh baris Afi die because um she kind of did what she needed to do but she needs to accept that uh it's almost a hopeless situation and she'll be one with the force but anakin would refuse that always looking for a way to help the ones you're closest to and him um opening the holocron would Cad Bane had her held captive, and even though that was going to get Cad Bane exactly what he wanted, he opened it anyway to save Ahsoka. Just kind of reminding her, like, to do what, still not not to lose that hope and what you might need to do to rescue those you care about. And maybe she kind of lost that way, just thinking more of the what's at stake for the galaxy. And even though, obviously, it's understandable for her to feel that way, and just after everything that she's been through, too. Um, that we talked about and just um, at this point it would make sense for her to have a more like cynical view or more jaded view on things and just kind of have a different view and aspect on life and that she would lose that kind of thinking that her and Anakin had back in the Clone Wars days. So I think that might be somewhere a uh, part of she's going to have almost like another lesson <laughs> like um, just one last lesson that Anakin's going to give to her as a master. And I was wondering too also that TV spot we got with the dialogue with Anakin, how we're thinking, oh, that's like a Clone Wars flashback. But maybe now it's all just Anakin teaching her in the world between worlds, just giving her another lesson here. Um, but mm. I still wouldn't mind that being in the flashback, also. But, I yeah. think that line, though, about in this war, you will face more than just droids, like that's gotta be a flashback. Well, see, I forgot about that. Okay. So <laughs> there goes. I'm sure there might be some dialogue we heard there could be her, Anakin and her in the world between worlds. But if that one in particular, yeah. I forgot he said that. So. 
Yeah. I mean, she has fought a lot of Morgan's assassin droids, but like, <laughs> yeah, she's also already be. fought more than just droids. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, man. I, I can't wait just to think who, who would have thought we'd get Dave Filoni directing live action Anakin and Ahsoka together in the year 2023. Like, it's just, it's nuts. I can't wait to see where they go with it. Um, yeah, I wish I can access the world between worlds and go back to myself in 2008, who just came out of the Clone Wars movie, and just let them know <laughs> what, yep. what you can expect 15 years later. Yep. Except I think us in 2008 wouldn't have appreciated it. <laughs> probably like, not. But... We were still warming up to Ahsoka at that Maybe point. Probably go, I really? Like, <laughs> I feel like to, to appreciate this now, you really have to have gone through the the whole journey of like Clone Wars and the cancellation of Clone Wars yeah. and Rebels and then Clone Wars Season 7 and the Siege of Mandalore and all this stuff and to have sort of this culminating moment between them now after the journeys that they've both been on is just something really, really special. Oh, yeah, without question, that definitely adds to it. <laughs> just that emotional yeah. journey we've all been on the last 15 years to yeah. culminate to this. Yeah, just so so thankful <laughs> that we're getting this story. Yeah, so Dave, wreck me next week. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, man, what an incredible episode. This, I feel like this was a landmark one, like... This is one of those Star Wars things that you watch and go, oh man, this is this one was something special. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we're only halfway through the show, like I I can't wait to see what the second half of this series is gonna look like. I can see why now they are giving Dave his own movie, right? Like <laughs> I already said that after the premiere, but especially now, I'm like, with just the level of storytelling in this and the visuals and the action, and you know, but just really the way that Dave Filoni constructs the Star Wars story. Um, and the way that he's been, you know, putting everything together, this series so far, like it really is something special. I can't wait for his movie. I can't wait to see the rest of the series. I already can't wait till like, I want to go through the world between worlds to go forward four weeks in time to where this whole show is over already. And I can just sit down and watch the whole thing from beginning to end. Yeah. I um, cannot wait to do that <laughs> because it feels like we're getting like chunks of a movie. Um, and I, I can't wait to just see this whole story play out and see where it's all going. Um, but yeah, it's it's just been incredible so far. This one was absolutely something special, and I can't wait to see what's in store the rest of the way. Same here. Um, but also, I know that, uh, you know, as as usually is the case with these big landmark episodes where everybody's got something to say, uh, you put out the question on social media, uh, you know, saying, hey, we're recording tonight. Let us know what you thought of the episode. And my phone's been blowing up all day uh, <laughs> with people liking the tweet and responding and stuff. So uh, what were some of the reactions we got from some listeners on this? Yeah, well, first off, I, I asked everyone how they're doing after last night's episode, because that seems <laughs> like the best question to ask. I'll probably be asking that next week <laughs> after next week's episode. But um, yeah, first off, Star Wars Junkie says he liked it, loved the ending and excited to see where the story is going. Uh, Rich Brockwell says, fantastic. Loved everything about it. Just really well done. And that reveal was just brilliant. Berksba says, I cannot believe what I saw in live action. Ray Stevenson is truly making a memorable and impactful Star Wars character. The world between worlds, I am still shocked in awe. 
And then to, he's going to quote Paul's outro for last episode to saying, Mother bleeping rebels, love you guys. <laughs> right back at you, Briscoe. And then Jacob Miller says, I am blown away. The series keeps getting better and better. And I agree with that 100%. And then Dane chimes in asking the important questions that only Dane can ask, saying, The one thing that's bothering me in this episode, before Balin and Ahsoka fought, they took off their cloaks dramatically. What happened to their cloaks post-fight? Do you think Jedi carry around huge stock of cloaks in their ships? I think that question is obviously yes. I mean, <laughs> at least in the Jedi Temple, they had to have tons of extra robes for the Jedi. Hey, Anakin had extra robes in Padme's ship. That's how Jar Jar ended up getting mistaken. There for you Jedi. go. That's right. See, so yeah, I just, I think Balin and Shin, once they got back on the shuttle, they had they had robes ready and waiting for them. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so glad to see that everyone's just being blown away by this episode or at least the ones that are interacting with us um i know you're not going to please everyone 100 but it's just great to see the majority of fans is really digging this episode and just kind of seeing how special it was so and it's just uh great to see and just great to interact with other fans who are just kind of feeling the same way and just super excited about it yeah yeah i mean i've seen pretty much positive reviews on this one across the board and rightfully so um and, you know, I, I usually don't, like, dunk on people for bad reviews or whatever because, you know, to each their own. And like you said, not everything's going to work for everybody and everybody's got their own opinion. But can you believe IGN gave this episode a 6 out of 10? Like, I don't know where I, they pulled that number Yeah, from. I saw that this morning. Like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, to be fair, I, I didn't read the reviews. So I know what the criticism Oh, was, I didn't like, either. I, I read can... their little... I read their little blurb though, and they basically were like, "Oh, the visuals and the action and everything in this episode was phenomenal, and it was just brought down by like flat, stiff dialogue or something like that." And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I thought the dialogue was fine, but even if you want to make some valid criticisms about that, like, I don't get how that brings the entire rest of the episode down from like what's easily gotta be. A, you know an eight at the very least but like i mean I'm, i know i'm biased because i love this stuff but i would give this episode a 10 but any flaws that you have with dialogue where you're gonna bring that all the way down to a six like come on i i couldn't help but just laugh at that i was like uh, okay whatever yeah um, yeah like is it not gonna float everyone's boat but still it is surprising that <laughs> i mean it's almost like i hate to say this but because I don't want to encompass everyone to feel the same way. But it's like, if you're just a diehard Star Wars fan, I just almost find it impossible for you not to like this. It's like, what yeah. do you look for in Star Wars if this isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this episode literally had everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> great story, great character moments, great lightsaber duels, great, you know, just action scenes with like Mandalorians and blasters and stuff. It wasn't all just lightsabers and Jedi action. And then you had spaceships with the ghosts and X-Wings and, giant rings taken off into hyperspace and doing stuff we've never seen before and there was even just that really cool ship of like the ring ascending up into the atmosphere and like coming out of the clouds of the planet for the first time and just you know we're seeing all this cool stuff that we've never seen in star wars before but it all feels so star wars and just uh god bless dave filoni man <laughs> yeah. yeah so grateful that He's still involved with Star Wars because, again, we'll probably be saying this a lot next week, but just for those of us who knew just how, just what a great person to have involved with Star Wars from early back in the Clone Wars and just hearing him talk about it, you just knew, like, he was the one who's, like, 
who should be telling more of these stories. And sure enough, here we are yeah. 15 years later and he's telling one of the best stories right now. So yeah, yeah just super yeah. grateful that he's still involved. And, and I've been so impressed with just sort of his growth as a live action director that we've seen. Cause I mean, we, he's only directed a handful of episodes of the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett up to this point. And with some of those, like, you know, I mean, I, I really enjoyed his stuff, but at least with like the first couple episodes of Mando, like those were not like the best episodes of the season, in my opinion, like they were good. Um, but I feel like, you know, you could tell that some of the other directors were more experienced and stuff. And then of course, you know, he did the Ahsoka episode in season two, which it was just great seeing her introduction. And there was some great stuff in that episode, but also, you know, still maybe some things in terms of like the direction and the the pacing and the, the dialogue and stuff where it was like, you know, it, it just kind of felt like, oh, this is nice that Dave gets to try directing live action. Whereas this feels like, oh, like this is not an experiment. This is not Dave dipping his toes in the water. As Paul said earlier, like they let Dave cook and <laughs> Dave is, is just, he's blowing it out of the water, man. And this show is just fantastic so far. So he's cooking up a feast for all of us to enjoy. That's yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he, he must have been taking notes from John Favreau on that chef show because, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's doing some good cooking. So forgot um, I forgot that he was on that show too. <laughs> yeah, I still need to go watch that episode. I can't believe I've never watched it, but um, yeah, just uh, is I'm so grateful that he's still involved in Star Wars, and I mean, arguably more involved than ever because now he's yeah. kind of directing like the headlining live action stuff. So. Um, yeah, I hope he's involved with Star Wars for many more years to come and uh, that we keep getting great stories like this because this stuff is just fantastic. And uh, can't wait to see what awesome surprises are in store in the next four weeks. It's going to be a fun ride. But at the same time, it's like, I can't believe we're four weeks into this already. <laughs> we're halfway through yeah. the series. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it feels like there's been a lot packed into these first four episodes so far. It definitely doesn't feel like, you know, there's been any like filler episodes or like, oh, we're still waiting to get to the good stuff. Like, I mean, this definitely episode, not, yeah. this episode delivered the goods. It was like, OK, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I wanted out of this show. And now, you know, we got four episodes left. And aside from Thrawn coming back, it's like I have no idea what else to expect. So I'm just along for the ride. And uh you know, so far just enjoying the heck out of it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's going to continue to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I think we've, uh, you know, hit everything we wanted to talk about for this episode, as far as I can remember. Um, you know, just like I said, what a, what a great episode overall and so much great star Wars stuff packed into a, you know, pretty compact 40 minutes, it definitely was not one of those ones that was like, oh, it felt like it should have been longer or, uh, you know, felt like it kind of left us hanging or, or whatever. You didn't want the episode to end. Of course, you didn't want the episode to end because you wanted to see more of Anakin and Ahsoka together. But at the same time, it was like, OK, this is a great sort of cliffhanger to end on and we'll we'll see where this goes next week. Um but yeah, man, it's I we say it all the time, but now it really <laughs> is a great time to be a Star Wars fan. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad to hear you guys are all enjoying it as well. Thank you, as always, for, you know, chiming in with your thoughts and interacting with our posts and stuff. So as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. 
uh, send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com and you can uh, check out our website at starwarstsc.com find all our episodes and stuff on there um, as well as of course on uh, you know Apple Podcasts and Amazon and Spotify and we always appreciate it if you uh, guys you know leave us likes and reviews and stuff on there uh, let us know you're enjoying the show so we always appreciate hearing from you um, but that's going to do it for now uh, We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy, uh, well, try to make it through this excruciatingly long week that it's going to be waiting for the next episode. But it's also going to be an enjoyable week just re-watching this episode and yeah. uh, kind of continuing to, you know, just reminisce on it and react to it and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's fun times for sure. And uh, can't wait to see what's next. We will see you guys on the next one. As always, thank you for listening and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody, in the world between worlds.